Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's a very special day today. We celebrate Tom Brady's 45th birthday. It's Tom Brady Day, everybody. Happy Hump Day. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu on the Bobby Curran Show. In the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to uh, we're gonna rattle Bobby's cage, see what's going on with Bobby Curran. I know you guys have missed him. So uh, Bobby Curran's going to join us about 7.45 later on this morning. Uh, top stories we're following today. University of Hawaii football training camp continues. And from what we're hearing from Stephen Sy and the star advertiser, Braden Shager, looking good. No surprise there. Also, this is uh, week two now for training camp. We'll see if they name a starter next week. Okay. Well, I don't know if they're going to name a starter. Maybe they're going to have a starter. We're not going to hear who the starter is. There's a big difference. I, Wipe okay. away those cobwebs, Dickman. Come on. It's time to do a radio <laughs> show. Okay. <laughs> uh, I hear that Jake Farrell is going to be the starter. At a holder? Yeah, <laughs> that's too obvious. I shook off those cobwebs. All right, here we go. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Vin Scully has passed away at 94 yesterday. First, it's Bill Russell. Now, Vin Scully at 94. Yeah, the tributes. I don't know if I've ever seen a reaction like I saw on Twitter yesterday with Vin Scully's passing, and well-deserved, of course. He was the only broadcaster that I ever asked for an autograph. Met him at LAX once a long time ago. Couldn't have been friendlier. Everybody loved Vin Scully. He will be missed. And uh, the Juan Soto uh, trade, the biggest in-season baseball trade ever? Think of that. Maybe going back to Babe Ruth for somebody that young with his numbers uh, to get traded like that as an all-star. Yeah, it's a, lot of, a lot of people are viewing it that way, and I think the Padres are ecstatic, and so are their fans. What, I want to bring up something about that that trade and other moves. We talked about Josh Hader, the reliever, the closer who leads the major leagues with 29 saves. For Milwaukee, gets traded to uh, San Diego, a big pickup. We'll get to the Soto trade more in-depth in a second, at least my opinion on it. But here's another name to remember, Chris, and everybody else. Brandon Drury. He was traded to San Diego yesterday, and with all the Soto news, nobody really even talked about it. I didn't even hear about it till this morning. He is a third baseman for Cincinnati who has hit 20 homers and has 59 RBIs, hitting 274. Now, that's not the same on the same level as Soto, of course, but it's another big pickup for this team. And, of course, they got Manny Machado, which means he might DH a lot. This team is all in on winning right now. Juan Soto, I said this last week when the rumors became more rampant, that even though he's really good, even though he's an all-star home run derby and all that, I didn't really view him as a superstar like maybe a Mike Trout or, you know, even a Machado to a certain extent. One of those guys who can hit 300 and hit 40 homers, driving 100-plus every year. 
I looked it up a little bit more, and, and, and he can, and he has, and I'll get into that. But he's also so young. He was also on the worst team in baseball. You brought that up yesterday. He's had a very good start to his career. This is actually the fewest amount of RBIs he's had in a full season since he's been a starter. It's also his lowest batting average since he's been a starter for the Washington Nationals. He's at 290, 280, 351, and 313. Now, the re- I'm not trying to make that as a negative with what he's done this year. Again, he's got no help behind him, in front of him. It's hard to do it on your own. You put him on a lineup like San Diego, OMG, they are going to be incredible. Fernando Tatis is in the batting cage, getting closer to coming back from the wrist injury. And, oh, yes, the Padres are like 12 games over uh, 500. They're already real good. I don't think they'll catch the Dodgers for first place in the NL West, but come playoff time, if they're healthy with the additions they got, they're going to be as good as anybody else. And I include the Dodgers, Mets, Braves. They're going to give everybody a tough time. They're a team that is, again, built to win now with the moves they made. But something to remember, Juan Soto has this year and next year left in his contract. He already turned down $440 million for 15 years from Washington. There is talk, and it's a small talk right now, that they might not be able to afford him when his contract is up, when he's a free agent. you got Manny Machado, who's making over $30 million a year. Tatis is going to be making over $30 million a year. Joe Musgrove just signed, I think, over a $25 million a year contract. And then you throw Soto in there, it might be tough. But if they win a World Series or two, it'll be money well spent. They are the easy winners at this year's trade deadline and maybe even the winner for the World Series come late October. Why isn't anybody talking about Josh Bell when you're talking about a bat? Here's a rare guy who's batting over 300 in Major League Baseball. Something should be said about Josh Bell as an addition to the Padres. Another one. And I brought him up yesterday. didn't bring him up today. Thank you. But, yeah, 301. He's got, I think, 14 homers, 50-plus RBI. Again, on a really bad team. I don't understand in a way while well, Washington is just getting prospects. They got rid of anybody and everybody not named Steven Strasburg, obviously. I'm, maybe they'd like to get rid of him, but he's hurt. But San Diego, another great player. Look at their team now. They gave up Luke Voigt, Eric Hosmer, guys that weren't doing much, that have had better years years ago. So they didn't really give up much. Now they gave up some really key prospects. But, again, all in to win it now, to win it next year, and – they made themselves with all of those moves, Jury, Bell, and, of course, Soto and Hayter. Wow, this is going to be an exciting team that just got a lot more exciting and a lot more potent come the stretch run. All right, so you got three good players you're talking about, right? You're Three or four really good players for the San Diego Padres and a really good pitcher. Yeah, and you got you got three all well if you're including Machado in there, you got three all stars. Bell wasn't an all star, but only because he's on Washington. He had all star numbers, and we know Soto is an all star. So yeah, and Hayter is an all star. So yeah, you just picked up three basic all stars to go along with Tatis and Machado. <laughs> okay, it's almost not fair. Well, okay, so does that all of a sudden make them better than the Los Angeles Dodgers? Are they better than the New York Yankees? I mean, that's really what we're talking about. You can you can have these you know hey we got this all star type of guy we got Josh Bell who's hitting three oh one this year or are we getting Josh Bell who hit two twenty six a couple of years ago for the Pirates is this enough nine guys out on the field on defense at one time right yes and I understand what you're saying about um, you know that um, Juan Soto had no one around him think what he can do with 
uh, batters around him. But it's not like basketball. You get a couple of pieces and bam, you're a champion. You still have a lot of guys. I mean, if you have a pitcher come out and doesn't have his stuff, it doesn't matter that you have three all-stars coming to your team. True. This is a team before yesterday was – well, after yesterday is 14 games over 500, 60 and 46. Pretty impressive right there. They were already built to get them to playoff. Last year they had basically the same team. That's, I think, even more so why they did this, Chris. Last year at the All-Star break, they were probably had a similar record, if not better. In the last month and a half of the season, they went, I believe, 13-32. and 32. I might be off by one game. They stunk it up big time. They played themselves out of the playoffs. They saw a team that had a similar record, similar opportunity at this time. Years ago, they couldn't afford some of these players or they wouldn't spend. New ownership group, they're spending, a lot of the New York Mets. And I think this can be enough of the pieces to pick up. Time will tell, but if you're saying a pitcher might have an off game, I mean, Clayton Kershaw had a really bad game against, I think it was Colorado this last outing. You know, he only lasted three or four innings. Still really good. Dodgers on paper are better. But when you go to the playoffs, you wash out the fact that they're 40 games almost over 500. When you go to the playoffs, they're equal. And I don't. it depends how it plays out. They might not meet until the second or championship round of the NLCS. And then all bets are off, I think, because this is the new San Diego team as opposed to what started the season. And the one that started was good. They got a lot better. The Dodgers, I mean, if you want to look at it this way at the trade deadline, they got Joey Gallo, who strikes out almost every time he's up. He's hitting, I think, 161 for the Yankees. They get him as a DH, and maybe he'll have better numbers with L.A. There wasn't a lot for them to do. They were supposedly in the Soto sweepstakes as well. They probably couldn't offer as much because they've given up so many other young players and prospects in trades previously. The Padres had a couple of minor leaguers. Washington, I don't want to say they're tanking because that's illegal to some people, but they were just in rebuild, blow it up mode, get rid of these contracts. We're not going anywhere for a few years. Let's develop our farm system and get better in three or four. We'll see. But for Washington, uh, for San Diego, though, again, I know the odds have already changed. I don't know exactly what they were as far as playoff time, but and that's kind of irrelevant in a way. But people are perceiving them to be that good, that they just improve that much better. I think a big key is Tatis. We know what he did last year before the injury. He, I thought he was the MVP. I really thought he had a good chance that if he didn't go down, I think, three times on the DL last year, I think he would have been in the top two or three. He is just electric, great fielder, great shortstop, right. can hit for power, can so, do everything. Yeah. What if he's hurt again, though? If this is an injury-prone guy, you're ba- you're, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons you do go out and get a Juan Soto is because your superstar that you have can't stay healthy. It's possible, but I, I mean, I always say you can't assume injuries, but he has been injury-prone for the last year, year and a half. That's a fact. Yeah, that, you know, that so I, I, I think in some cases you can assume injuries. You can assume that uh, Carlos Stanton is going to be injured at some point in the season for the Yankees. And you can now go, well, most likely, looking at his track record, this guy's fragile. So I'm, not, I'm just trying to throw out there that, um, and, and you, you know the sport much better than I do, but I'm just throwing out there that you still got the Dodgers – Maybe the Brewers or Cardinals. You've got the Mets and the Atlanta Braves in the National League. It's not going to be, you know, it, there's no guarantees here with all of the money that they spent. I like the fact that you're talking about it, it's, uh, new owners coming in going, okay, you know what? We're not going to be your usual San Diego Padres. we got a base. 
Let's build on that and go get a championship. I like that. It's just you can't win a championship on paper. And that's what but it makes it exciting coming in, you know. But you know what's a good example of exactly what you just said? Let's look at the team up north, the L.A. Dodgers. How many World Series have they won in the last 10 years or more? Well, it's one. And they went out every year. They got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer last year. Trey Turner was hitting like fifth in the NL when they got him. Max Scherzer, enough said. They didn't go to the World oh, – they didn't make it to the World Series last year. They lost to the Braves. And every year they have made moves. They pick up Mookie Betts. They pick up David Price. I could go on and on. They have picked up player after player after player, and they make they just spend money at, you know, not even worrying about it apparently, and it's only gotten them one World Series. So there's no guarantees. You're 100% right with that. But at least the attempt is there, the aggressiveness. If you're a fan of the Padres like Tiff Wells, I'm sure you're, you're floating on cloud nine right now thinking this team is legit. They're as good as anybody. But no guarantees. That's what makes the playoffs fun, unless it's your team losing, that there's a whole bunch uh-huh. of teams in the mix. You know what? For me, I won't put Milwaukee or St. Louis in that conversation, and I know you didn't mention them. Milwaukee's in first place, but I don't think they're a serious threat. Mets, I still wait, I'm waiting for them to flame out like they normally do. Atlanta's the team I'm really worried about as well. They just get stronger and stronger, and the Mets play them in a five-game series this weekend. They had 13 runs yesterday. They look scary good, just like the Dodgers, and I think we're about to see the same with the Padres. I can't wait till Tatis and Soto are in the lineup at the same time. Those guys are young. Those guys, I, I mentioned yesterday how the Mets are the oldest team in baseball. Padres aren't that old. They got some real young talent. They're not going to go anywhere for a while. It's going to be great to see. And I like those kind of trades. You, do, you don't always get a lot of big-name trades on the trade deadline day in the NBA or MLB. Yesterday was pretty interesting because you had a ton of trades, first of all. And, again, you had what a lot of people say the biggest trade in season, maybe of all time. And that's saying an awful lot. When you talk, listen – so take away the Juan Soto trade because okay. obviously winners and losers. This was huge. Padres, the biggest winners with Juan Soto and and uh, and the other guys we talked about. Say that didn't happen. Who else did very well yesterday? The Yankees, maybe. Yeah, you got to get. I, I think both of those teams got better. I think the Astros, they're they're catcher Maldonado is hitting 175 they get Christian Vasquez who we talked about going from Boston to Houston in the same series they were playing each other and oh, had yeah. to get taken out of the lineup card he only pinch hit yesterday he went over one I was hoping to get the start I would have loved those conversations around the bases I think the Astros got better they got Mancini from the Orioles I think he'll do better in a lineup such as Houston's compared to Baltimore I think they're one of the winners you know what your Seattle Mariners Luis Castillo for Cincinnati was an all-star. He's only 29. The, Yan- the Yankees wanted him desperately. He shut out the Yankees at Yankee Stadium two to three weeks ago. Seattle gets him. They're a wild-card team only right now. But, boy, did that make their rotation a lot better. I think there are several winners not at all on the level of San Diego, as you kind of hinted at. I also look at the – but I think other teams help themselves. How about the Phillies? They get Noah Syndergaard, Thor, was on the Mets for the last seven years or six years, goes to the Angels, struggle like everybody else does for the Angels, and he'll be a free agent. But Philadelphia got him, and they got David Robertson, former New York Yankees setup man. I think he closed at times. A lot of teams wanted him, including the Mets and Yankees. He goes to Philadelphia as well. And I think Philadelphia helped themselves. So they're on the cusp of the wild card right now. And a little help like that, maybe a lot of help, might put them not over the edge but over the top. So I think those are some of the teams that help themselves. Here's one that 
puzzles me. The Toronto Blue Jays traded for second baseman Whit Merrifield of Kansas City. Now he's playing in Toronto because that's where the Blue Jays play. He is not vaccinated. And a lot of people are wondering, why did you make that trade? And the Toronto Blue Jays have not come out and said, he said he's going to get vaccinated. Now, they're on the road this week or right now. But what happens when they go back to Toronto in a week? If he's not going to get vaccinated and you made that trade, that looks pretty bad. I don't know. I hope they know what they're doing. But on the surface for today, it looks very questionable. So what do you do in that situation? You just don't play – you won't play home games or – they yeah. release you or, uh, well, you know, well, I mean, is he a player where you're you're like, oh, well, he's good enough to help us on the road. I mean, what do you do if you're if he says, no, I don't want to get I mean, you're out of a job. You're, you're, you're basically out of a job. I'm a professional baseball player, but I retired early because the Toronto Blue. I got traded to the Blue Jays and I refused to get vaccinated. It'll almost wow. be like Kyrie in that aspect. And I mean, he's a good hitter, good fielder. I think he's hitting around 250 or so, about 12 homers. But why? And again, you would think they would have stated like the Yankees did. The Yankees get Andrew Benatendi from KC, and the one reason they were hesitant is because they end the regular season in Toronto. And I thought that was the only reason at first they were hesitant to get a guy in key games in the last part of the season that he wouldn't be able to play because he's unvaccinated. But they're also concerned about the playoffs, which is really smart on Brian Cashman's part. We might play Toronto in the playoffs. We can't afford a playoff game without this guy who's hitting 320 third in the AL. All right, real quick before uh, we're running up against the clock here. Uh, Joey Gallo, why do the Dodgers want a guy that can't hit? He can hit home runs, and he's going to be a pinch hitter, might DH at time, but if he can hit a home run in late inning, they're, they're taking, they gave up a minor leaguer pitcher who's their 15th best prospect. Uh, they're taking a little bit of a chance, but he's just going to be a guy that won't start almost never unless it's at the DH and just a pinch hitter, a left-handed pinch hitter that can hopefully hit mm-hmm. some big home runs for them, but it's a, it's a risk. Man, baseball has changed. Uh, 17 minutes after the hour with the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show. Ben Volin from the Boston Globe uh, joins us next. Talk some NFL football here on this hump day as we celebrate Tom Brady Day. Happy 45th birthday to Tom Brady. We'll be right back with that on ESPN Honolulu. Ben Volan expected to join us momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. Football practice going on up at uh, University of Hawaii. By the way, we'll be doing the show. Uh, let's, uh, myself and Hunter Hughes will be at the uh, practice fields on Monday uh, covering UH football. We'll have a plethora of guests. I want to, you know, we have getting a lot of coaches on. I want to see if we can get some players on. I know they're practicing, but, uh, you know, even the punter. Come on. But then again, you know, it's the ones and threes and twos and fours. Maybe while we're there, while the ones and threes are going at it, we can get a couple of twos and fours on. I'd like to hear from some of the players and their thoughts on the brotherhood. Speaking of football, we're going to talk some NFL right now as we are joined with a senior NFL writer with the Boston Globe, covers the Patriots and the entire NFL, back with us on ESPN Honolulu, Ben Bolin. Ben, thanks again for talking with us about the NFL, what's going on. And I want to start with this, with everything that took place yesterday with the Miami Dolphins and Tom Brady. I brought something up that I guess you did as well on the Dan Lebertard show, but talking about Tom Brady and his involvement with this. We're all talking about Miami and the punishment and the fines and everything else, loss of the draft pick. But Tom Brady was on the other end of that. What does that say about Tom Brady? 
Uh, it says that he was certainly not uh, locked in and focused on the 2019 season while he's under contract with the Patriots and trying to win a seventh Super Bowl ring. Um, the, the, I think one of the most interesting and, and surprising revelations of that whole Dolphins report yesterday was that the tampering between the Dolphins and Brady started in August of 2019, training camp. And, and, hap- and they had numerous and detailed conversations throughout the season. And that was uh, a, not a fun season in Foxborough. It was Brady's last year there. Um, he, was a, he talked all year about how miserable he was, the most miserable 8-0 quarterback in the NFL. The offense sputtered at the end. Uh, they lost at home in the playoffs. Just not a good season. And it, it makes you wonder, you know, how, if he's talking to the Dolphins, how many other teams is he talking to? You know, is his focus really just on figuring out his future? Did the Dolphins owner uh, plant some negative thoughts in, in Brady's head that affected his mood? Uh, it, it just, it, it's not a good look for, for Brady, who uh, usually was such a good team guy and usually so locked in and focused. Uh, clearly he wasn't so in, in 2019. I mean, he's talking to the Dolphins literally at the same time that he's signing a new contract with the Patriots and talking about how focused he is with the team. So uh, w- while all the, you know, the, the Dolphins are the only ones who can be punished here uh, in the NFL, players and coaches can't be punished for tampering. Uh, it, it, it definitely takes two to tango. And Brady was, was clearly flirting with the Dolphins and I'm sure with other teams uh, all throughout the t- 2019 season. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. Do you think the NFL, I guess, would be up to the players' union and the next CBA, maybe put something in there? If they're going to include tampering, maybe it should be both sides. Because the player, I'm not going to say they're as at fault as much as fault as Miami in this case, but Brady is at fault. I mean, he's under contract, and he's doing the same thing they're doing. He's communicating back with them. So I, I don't see this big groundswell to strengthen the rules or anything. And tampering is pretty common uh, across the NFL, just – not as blatant as, as this usually. Mm. And, you know, it's one thing that for, you know, look, the NFL combine is held at the end of every, every February, about two weeks before free agency. And that's just known as a tampering fest. Um, but it, it, that's always, you know, it's like honor among thieves and you, I won't squeal on you if you don't squeal on me kind of thing. Uh, rarely do you see it. I think so extensive and directly between a player and another team um, and to have it go throughout an entire season. This this just happened to be, I think, kind of an egregious case. And let's not be naive. I, I tend to think that they came down relatively hard for the tampering on the Dolphins because they didn't want to come down hard on, on Stephen Ross for the tanking allegations. So I think that would have opened up a whole can of worms uh, for the NFL and their legal exposure that they don't want to have to deal with. So. Um, they kind of swept the tanking allegations under the rug and, and are you know, supposedly coming out strong with tampering. But uh, I think the Dolphins are probably lucky that this is the way that it's working out. Ben Bolin with the Boston Globe here on ESPN Honolulu talking to the NFL and mainly what happened yesterday. And interesting that you brought that up because I know you talked about that yesterday as well. How does the NFL get away with that? Because it seemed like when I read the statements and even what Brian Flores had to say yesterday, they said that Stephen Ross did talk to him, but it wasn't serious. Or there was no, I guess, no evidence that they actually lost a game on purpose. But I don't think that was the real big part as opposed to telling the coach, I'll pay you if you lose games. So how did they get out of that without more scrutiny from others? Yeah, uh, they're going to get out of it just because the news cycle will eventually move on and another scandal will pop up. Deshaun Watson, we'll, we'll hear in a day or two if, the NFL is going to appeal that and try to increase his suspension. Uh, 
and and look, they did take away a first round pick from the Dolphins and that. So there there was some sort of punishment, but I, I do think they they certainly let the NFL and Stephen Ross they, they let the Dolphins off easy for the tanking allegations because they even acknowledged that yeah he may have said some stuff, but it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously. And it's like okay, I, I guess so. If, if you say so, I mean, he is the boss, and he is noting that uh, he wants to financially incentivize his team to lose. And, of course, they didn't tank, not because of Ross, but because Brian Flores refused to do it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what else we can do except keep pointing out the fact that it sure is strange that the NFL left the Dolphins and Stephen Ross off the hook for tanking. But I, I also understand why they would. I mean, it opens up a whole world of problems for them uh, legally. One more question on this situation. You also, on your other appearance yesterday, talked about the most interesting facts revealed by this investigation. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, certainly I, I would think the fact that the Dolphins and Brady were talking throughout the 2019 season, that to me is uh, very fascinating because, uh, you know, we had known that the Dolphins had tried to set up some meetings between with Brady, at, you know, after the season in February. Uh, we, we had known that, they tried it again this past off season when they tried to get him to be in their front office. But I didn't know that he was talking to the Dolphins all throughout the 2019 season. And that to me just adds a whole new perspective to his final year in New England and how poorly things ended. And um, I understand that he didn't feel very appreciated by uh, uh, Bill Belichick and probably Robert Kraft too, but it's not like he was exactly returning to love. And that was a team that, you know, they tried. They went out and got Antonio Brown. They got Mohamed Sanu. It didn't really work. And uh, Brady clearly had, had wandering eyes that, that entire season. Was seems to be more concerned about setting up his next destination as opposed to trying to win a seventh Super Bowl in, in 2019. So that, that to me was clearly the most fascinating um, uh, uh, revelation that, that Brady and the Dolphins were talking a lot longer than people knew. I only have time for one more question. I know we're talking football, but I want to ask you, since you're uh, in Boston and you tweeted about Ben Scully and Bill Russell both passing away this week, was Bill Russell treated fairly by the fans and the citizens of Boston? There were so many stories that went around while he was there. What is your re response to that as far as what, what really went on during his tenure there? Well, so, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a generation removed from Bill Russell. I'm only 40 years old, so it's not like I ever – uh, watched him play in his prime or, or anything of that nature. I, I think if you ask Bill Russell and his family, they don't feel like they were treated totally fairly in, in Boston during their time. But uh, they, I, I feel like they probably were by Red Auerbach, uh, you know, the former general manager and coach. He made Bill Russell the first African-American coach, uh, certainly in the NBA, maybe in, in pro sports. And, uh, uh, you know, Russell, I, I think, was a very outspoken um, uh, person during the civil rights era and in Boston. Uh, you know, the Boston has its own history that it has to, to deal with. So uh, I'm sure if you ask the Russell family, they would probably say, no, he, he wasn't treated fairly. But he was he's being treated like royalty now. I mean, it, it's been a sad week here in, in Boston and lots of amazing tributes to him. And uh, uh, certainly everyone's paying their respects now. Yes, definitely. He will be missed. Ben, thanks again for joining us. The NFL season starts tomorrow with the Hall of Fame game. Can't wait for that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. All right, thank you. Thank you. Ben Bolin with the Boston Globe. He's a senior NFL writer joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. All right, so what do you think? 
Well, the, the the Brady thing, again, that one part that he talked about, I guess he was on another show yesterday, that Brady, and I brought this up briefly yesterday, he should be blamed more in this too. I mean, he's talking to a team <laughs> while he's under contract, and he did not have yeah. a last good year with the Patriots. I remember his last pass was a pick six in garbage time at the end of that playoff game. That's just one memory. But I think Brady should be scrutinized even more. I wonder what the fans there are going to think about him. He was a god to them. We know that. This might change things a little. If I'm a fan of Brady or his team back with New England, I'm thinking a little bit differently about him. Also, I think what Ben said, Chris, about, and we've heard this more so yesterday as well, that the NFL punished Stephen Ross a little bit more in the tampering to not have to do much about the tanking. But it seemed like the tanking was there. They just almost ignored that, basically, as far as the punishment's concerned. Right, and I think the, the step now for Roger Goodell is, you know that the, they got their, their meetings coming up with the owners, and he's going to uh, read them a riot act, quote, unquote, about tampering. Uh, excuse me. Well, about tanking and tampering, but really about tanking. So if you're, you know, when you talk about the folks saying, um, oh, you know, the owners are they're not, you know, not going to take away his team or something like that, you know what? Stephen Ross, you're working against everybody else. When you're talking about the integrity of the league, you are, you know, you could potentially be lessening the value of everyone else's team in the NFL by what you're doing. So I don't know if other owners, all owners stand behind each other, especially in this case. You were talking about Bill Russell, and the question came up, should the NBA retire Bill Russell's number six across the entire league like baseball did with Jackie Robinson? I think so. They did it with we'll Michael Jordan, I believe, up as next, well. We'll, okay. we'll do that coming up on ESPN Honolulu. We want to invite you to join us for the really big road show at Growlers, at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu, uh, right there by Alawai Golf Course, Kapahulu side. Uh, Kanoa Leahy and Josh Pacheco and myself are going to be there. Charlie Wade, Scotty Scott, Coach Bud Nagamine, all in person. You know how much fun she is. Uh, we're also going to salute the 92 Rainbow Warrior football team and more. All, everybody, live on location, Growler, Hawaii, August 9th at 3 p.m. We'll be there from 3 to 6. They got 94 beers and seltzers on tap, plus Heineken, Heineken Light, Dosecchi's Amber, and Dosecchi's Lager on special. We'll see you at the really big shoe from ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Chris Hart, if you want to call or text, the number is 808-296-1420. Just continuing uh, with that the situation with the Miami Dolphins and all that, I wonder if there's going to be any more of a fallout with that. Oh, okay, now we get the bill. I'm sorry. Football. The Bill Russell um, situation. I think they should retire his jersey. They did it with Michael Jordan. With everything he did on and off the court, I actually think that's a no-brainer. I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't do that. I don't know if anybody would would protest or be against that for everything he did. So I, I would like to see that happen. I mean, it's only a rare player that gets that of them that, of themselves that you can retire their jersey across the whole sport, not just for a team, but for the entire sport. And people were even writing this yesterday. Before Michael Jordan, everybody knew the GOAT in NBA history 
up until Jordan started becoming that player, was Bill Russell. You could talk about Wilt, Jerry West, and others. Bill Russell, to most people, was that GOAT. I think they should retire his jersey universally around the league. Okay. why? Okay, you know what's unfortunate is now, I don't know if it was Michael Wilbon or somebody that came out and said, when you make a Mount Rushmore for NBA players, you better include Bill Russell. Nobody included Bill Russell in that at all until he passed away. That's what's sad. People talked about Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. No one ever mentioned Bill Russell. Oh, no, yes. sure, a top, sure is a top 20 player. You know, I mean, mm. I don't want to say nobody, but most okay. people didn't include Bill Russell as one of the greatest of all time. Now that he passes away, everyone goes, whoa, 11 championships, and he was the first African-American head coach. Look at all this great stuff he did. That's really a shame. That it was, and maybe it's because he's he played so long ago. I mean, he played in the '60s, and didn't he start? Did he start in the '50s along with '56 or seven? Yeah, so he there. started in the '50s. You know, way back then, and he was mostly a defensive player. Yeah, but you know, and I can appreciate what he stood for. If you're going to retire his number, number six. Then you know what you best you best retire Jim Brown's thirty two, because Jim Brown is the same person, yet we don't celebrate Jim Brown like we should. You know the if you're Wayne Gretzky, they retired ninety nine, for in hockey, just because Wayne Gretzky was a really good player. They retired Jackie Robinson's number forty two across Major League Baseball, because. It stood for something. It was it, he broke the color barrier. Uh, Jackie Robinson did. Um, Bill Russell was a great. Ad, I'm not saying don't retire it, but before we, because we're still in mourning, don't jump to any quick conclusions that this should be done. And from what I hear, Adam Silver is not the type of guy that's going to have any kind of knee-jerk reactions to this. And I'm not against retiring Bill Russell's number six jersey he was a great person and he was the first african-american head coach now they named the nba finals mvp trophy after him and i think that's pretty that's that's pretty significant yes um i mean it's like you know in football it's a lamar hunt trophy and, and stuff like that so you know i don't know i it's by Retiring somebody's jersey league-wide is, I don't want to say, is that enough? It sounds horrible because he just passed away. But um, I, I'm not sure where I stand on that. You know what? You, almost, you kind of changed my mind a little bit with what you just said. You brought up incredible points on that. And you're right. If there's a Mount Rushmore, Bill Russell, most people's list wouldn't be in that four. Top 10, sure. Top 15, whatever. Um, I, he could, he, I think he was considered the GOAT until other players started coming up, like Jordan, as I said. But that's a great point. And I think at these times, we are quick. When Kobe passed away, there were so many people coming out that maybe they should do with Kobe's number or make a, uh, have a statue, make a trophy after him. And if it's deserved, it's deserved. It shouldn't be more deserved because they pass away. We're all in mourning. So that's a really good point. I think I still would like to see it retired. I don't think it 
cause us any harm. And I don't think yeah. you're going to open up a can of worms where there's going to be 15 other players that we could do it with. But your points are well taken. I mean, he was a great player, had all those accomplishments that we mentioned yesterday, and you could read for 10, 20 minutes or so many of them. But and I, you're right about Adam Silver, too. Whenever these things come up, I think David Stern was the same way. They don't do anything too quickly. Jim Brown's a great example, different sport. I wonder why they haven't done anything. It's good for the sport as opposed to some of the other things that the NFL thinks are good for the sport. Wow. I wish they would do it there as well. But for Bill Russell, I, I would like to see it happen, but even more so, it would have, if they thought this way, they should have done it while he was alive. It shouldn't be yeah, more and, so and that did, you retired and they because did. he did. And I like the fact that while he was alive, uh, he was able to hand the Bill Russell trophy to Steph Curry after the NBA Finals. So that was pretty. that's pretty good. I mean, that's that's great. I just say be careful before you start before we start making this a trend league wide league wide um retired jerseys is is maybe not the best way to honor Bill Russell Okay, what, what I was saying about do it while he's alive was about retiring the jersey if you thought his jersey should have been retired league wise then you should have done it while he was alive it shouldn't have changed in the last 3 days because he passed away that shouldn't be the reason people decide yeah. to do that. So that, that that's a good point as well. And it'd be great to see people like Bill Russell and others get that acknowledgement while they are alive. And I, I, again, I think it'll be something that you'll take your time with. But, if, I mean, Jerry West is the logo. At least they did that to him while he's alive. I know he doesn't really love it the way some people thought he should. But, I mean, at least they did that. They don't wait till he passes away to do that. And, I mean, with Kobe, they did more things mm -hmm. after he passed away. When Russell, we're hearing the talk about it. I still right. would like to see it happen. I wish they would do more to players from the other eras while they're still with us. I don't know that. I don't know that. Did they make, did they make the logo after Jerry West? to honor jerry west i don't think that was the case i think it was an artist they said come up with a logo and he saw a picture and went oh here's a good silhouette i don't know that they were honoring jerry west when the artist came up with a logo i'm not sure what the reason was. There, there was talk that they were going to they should replace his logo with kobe bryant when kobe passed right uh, I remember that. and again that was after the fact jerry west was considered maybe the purest shooter at least at well, that time in the NBA. But the logo is not of him shooting a jump shot. <laughs> right. And the people are, when the, the subject came up with, and it became a racial thing. Look at all of the African-American players in the NBA, yet the logo is of a white guy. That's what I can't stand. They, they made it into a racial thing. And it was like, you guys, stop. <laughs> stop. I'm with you on that as well. It shouldn't have been about color in that. And Jerry West, I thought, was deserving. And uh, But there was that talk about Kobe. I, 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 I hope they do this with Bill, but I, I don't think they should do it. Either way, like I, I'm saying they should. You're not really sure yet. Don't do it right away. Really think it through. Don't make that rush judgment just because it's so soon after the fact. Right. I'm not sure. What I'm saying is honor him in other ways. There are different ways to honor him. Have Bill Russell Day in the NBA where everybody celebrates Bill Russell or – um, well, you can't really have a, uh, everyone wear number six, you know, because, you know, the whole warm team up fouls. You can. The whole, okay, there you go. So Because the whole team will foul out at the same time on both sides. <laughs> you know, foul on number six, that's his fifth. Why is he still in the game? That's his sixth foul. So, but you could have a patch. You could, you know, a, a patch is nice. Celtics will, I'm sure. 
Yeah, and you could, you know, you could, but you have the, you know, every day. It's mandatory. On one day, you celebrate Bill Russell Day. I mean, that would be awesome. You already have the MVP trophy. What I don't understand is why hockey retired 99. I mean, Wayne Gretzky was just, he was just, you know, a great player, the GOAT. But they retired his number all the, all across the board there. He did things that nobody else has come close to doing as far as his number. Not the most Stanley Cup, but he won, I think, three or four with Edmonton. But his accomplishments as far as goals scored, I believe, if he's not number one on every list, he's number two, I believe. He is that much mm. of a great player. Even though he was a rival to my team, he did accomplish so much. I can understand that. A great mm. ambassador of the game, too. But I understand your point with that as well. There were other great players in hockey. He was just, again, the great one is his nickname for a reason. When we mentioned when we mentioned uh, Jim Brown, and I, I'm saying Jim Brown should be, you know, honored. It, 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 Jim Brown should be on, like actually like you say, Jim Brown should be honored today before he passes away. The problem with that is if you go up and look at the history of Jim Brown off the field, involvement with the Black Panthers and things like that, is there's I think that's why he's you know. You'll have some people question retiring 32 league wide in the NFL. There are some, you know, there are. He, he was controversial, but yeah. uh, boy, he, you know what? I mean, a, a guy who's nowadays still brings groups together. I mean, here's a guy who meets with gang members, rival gang members, and gets them to stop feuding, those kinds of things. I mean, Jim Brown is pretty impressive, and he's doing what he's done. For years and years and years and years, that's that's pretty impressive. I think, we, you know, we should take a segment one of these days and celebrate the life and times of Jim Brown. Definitely did a lot, and I know that you still hear players today when they get to meet him as he shows up for the practice or games that it was one of their greatest days ever meeting Jim Brown. I mean, there's great players that you can meet, but even today's players still talk about him in that aspect that he was that important on and off the field. Even though, as you said, he was controversial, he still did a lot of positives for the league and society. Oh, we've got uh, uh, phone lines are open at 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line open as well. We'll take phone calls and texts coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. What a great song. Lead into uh, Vin Scully and his life as he passed away yesterday. Man, I, can, uh, I, can, I can't imagine. I, he's 23 years old when he starts being the announcer for the Dodgers. We'll get into that in a second. The Zephyr Insurance text line open at 808-296-1420. And John is on the line on the telephone line. <laughs> Hi, John. How's it going? Hey, I'm just calling about the, uh, you know, the all the uh, trades that happen in the MLB. But, uh, you know, being a Cubs fan, looking up north to Milwaukee, I can't believe those guys traded Josh Hader to uh, the Padres when they're in first place. It seems like, uh, boy, they sure don't want to win the World Series this year. But on the other hand, if I'm looking at the playoffs right now, I want to see a bunch of one-run games between 
the Dodgers in San Diego because you can have Josh Hader going against Craig Kimbrell. That's a very uh, interesting matchup. But I can't believe that uh, you would that they would trade a guy like that away when they're uh, in first place. They had Rodgers in return, who has just I think been benched, but he has 28 saves. Hader has 29. Uh, Haters let up a lot of home runs recently. I was surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised. But they get a closer who had similar numbers, and they get a couple of young prospects as well. Still, you would think, why would they try to fix something that's not broken? Right. But uh, so I like that matchup with the Padres against the Dodgers more since you got those two closers over there. I like the matchup with the Mets against anybody because they got a closer in Diaz. But, yeah, the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be really tough to beat come early October. And if they meet up with each other, it's going to be even more special. Yeah, but once again, I just kind of looked up there at Milwaukee and I said, boy, what a bunch of losers. But I didn't realize about that other uh, – that they got another uh, closer back. Maybe they just don't want to pay this guy, but I don't know. But uh, have a great day, you guys. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, John. All right, thank you for listening, John. Uh, over to the Zephyr Insurance text line, we were talking about um, Bill Russell and a texter from the 781 says, I grew up in Boston during the Russell years. Those Celtics championships teams were revered. Boston fans dumped on Wilt, calling him a loser. That's why I rooted for Wilt. It doesn't get any better than Russell and Chamberlain. They are what sports is all about and then uh, he goes on to uh, text when i played sandlot football i would take the ball up the middle and yell fullback jim brown <laughs> thank you for texting in at 808-296-1420 yeah i didn't realize but reading the other day russell and chamberlain apparently were pretty close off the court uh, russell invited them to his house four years in a row for thanksgiving which is during the nba season and uh, Bill Russell, as we found out in stories the last few days, and I've heard him previously, and we talked to Ben Bolin, the Boston fans really treated any African-American athlete pretty poorly. One time, came home from a road trip, his house was broken into. I don't want to describe the mess, but it included human waste. Oh, uh, and, I mean, just really, well, really... You, th- you just described the mess. Well, I could have been a little bit more specific. I didn't want to. But it's just really amazing <laughs> that he's their player winning all those championships, and people were treating him that poorly. That's that's really sad and almost hard to imagine in a way. But we know it was different times 40, 50 years ago. Still really sad, though. Yeah, it is. I want We don't have enough time. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, and uh, let us know, Tanner. Coming up in a few minutes, uh, I want to get into more about Vin Scully and, and uh, his incredible life. And there's a lot going on still with, um, gosh, you know what? Tony Busby is calling a press conference tomorrow. And I'm guessing for no other reason but to keep his name out there as a lawyer? <laughs> I hope not, but I'm really curious on what the topic, the main topic will be. Because this is, I mean, I, I thought they were pretty much done at his on his end for the most part. But right thought. now to say something, as he, again, with this week and the announcement by Judge Robinson, I just wonder what it's all about as well. I want to hear Deshaun Watson talk. I think he needs to talk to the public and the uh, media really I soon. I don't. He, Deshaun Watson has already talked, and all that comes out of it is nothing but rubbish comes out of his mouth. Now, before you call in, that's just my opinion. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I just think somebody it's somebody who was accused of all of that stuff and you didn't do it, I would think you'd have a little bit more emotion when defending yourself. Just a little bit. 
Definitely, and that's why I want to hear him a little bit more. Now, when the Browns released a statement, they mentioned that Deshaun Watson is very remorseful for this situation. Not admitting guilt, not apologizing, but it was well-worded on their end, I guess. Well, he said that himself uh, maybe a year ago. I mean, he's come up. Yeah, I mean, he's come up with that saying, I'm so sorry that this situation happened, you know, like like he was a victim. But that won't uh, go over yeah. well with anybody, that part. But Yeah. Also, I want, uh, coming up on ESPN Honolulu, actually, uh, next hour in about 45 minutes, Bobby Kern's going to join us just for a few minutes. In, uh, oh, about 20, Elimelay McFarlane, who's got a fight coming up, will be on the radio here on ESPN Honolulu. Also on the way, we can kind of preview the best football players in the Mountain West Conference. All coming up with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Our top stories. And can no can, no lie, boo lie. Buy or sell coming up next. It's Tom Brady Day. Happy 45th birthday to Tom Brady. Happy birthday to you if you're celebrating today from the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. We're on the Bobby Curran Show, and Bobby will join us in 45 minutes. Talk story for a few minutes. Uh, in 20, we got Elimelay McFarlane. She's got a fight coming up August 12th in Bellator 284, and that's one of our top stories today. Hopefully she can get a win. She's coming off a two-match uh, losing streak. She said when her contract is up after these four fights, she will retire. Let's hope it's a winning streak. All right, the Juan Soto baseball trade now and other trades as people look back. Of course, the Padres, the big winners uh, by the trade deadline yesterday, and uh, the Juan Soto baseball trade now looked at maybe the biggest in-season trade ever. To get a guy with those kind of numbers at that age, still under contract, he's not a rented player, he's got a year and a half left. Yeah, I guess it is one of the biggest trades we've ever seen or heard of. And UH football training camp continues. And the news now is that Braden Shaker, no surprise, is the leading quarterback. Still got a whole bunch of time left before they actually determine who will start against Vanderbilt in a little over three weeks. He is the leader, huh? Yes. That's what the coach said? That's what uh, Stephen Sy is reporting in today's Star Average well, with what he has seen. And Timmy, Timmy right. just said positive things, but he basically said the same positive things about everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll believe Stephen knows what's going on. Not going to doubt that. I keep calling it training camp. We should call it – I mean, it is, really, but I guess we should call it fall practice. But it's not fall either. That's the other hard part. It's <laughs> not hard, but – Practice for fall. Summer <laughs> camp. Summer camp. <laughs> I guess, yeah. All right, uh, we're going to be doing the show, uh, I'll be doing this show with Hunter Hughes Monday morning from the practice fields at University of Hawaii, so that's going to be good fun. But uh, I want to get into Vin Scully. Of course, he passed away at 94 years old yesterday. 94. I mean, this guy was around for everything. Here's a guy that was born, that was around during World War One. 67 years as an announcer. That's hard to comprehend. What a career. What a career. We're going to salute him coming up momentarily. But right now, Tanner Hayworth is at the controls, and he knows what to do. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. 
Good morning, guys. And like we were just talking about fall camp, training camp for the NFL is going strong and healthy, unless your name is Zach Wilson. Because or it's Tim been, Patrick. Well, because all reports going from New York Jets camp is that Zach Wilson has been very underwhelming. In, and even so, oh, it's no. being said that Joe Flacco is outperforming Zach Wilson in New York Jets training camp. By yourself, the Jets will be quarterback shopping in the next (laughs) offseason. Of all the quarterbacks they had to choose from, they chose the one dud. What have I been saying since Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, they got the wrong guy both times. One of the headlines in today's paper in New York says Jets fans have to give Zach a chance to grow, at least until the games count. Uh, yeah, he's been pretty bad so far. And they got the receivers. They got the offensive line. I'm going to buy it. I think they will be shopping for a new quarterback at the latest in the next offseason. It might be sooner than that. <sighs> I'm, you know, just based on the history of the New York Jets, I, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to – what was the question? Are they going to be sh- quarterback shopping? Yeah, yeah. next offseason. So let's we, let's we, we we invested all of this into a young quarterback. Let's get a defensive-minded head coach. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm uh, I don't know. I'm selling. Mark Sanchez is not walking through that well, you're door. You're buying. You're buying. I'm buying. Mark Sanchez is not. Mark Sanchez is not walking through that door. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Now, it's been re- being reported out of Alabama. It's open competition in the cornerback room. Of course, said cornerback room, including five stars, early first-round picks, and a guy named Kool-Aid. And <laughs> Nick Saban is also coming out saying last season when they lost the national championship, when they won the SEC championship game, he's calling that a rebuilding year. Buy or sell, Alabama will be holding the number one spot for the entire season, and it won't even be close. I am buying that they will be the champions. I don't know that it's. I don't want to say it's not going to be close, but what? And, and you know what it's coming down to? Somebody there is handing out nils because all of a sudden, the last two weeks, all of the top players are either in uh, high school, or either committing, or dumping their original commitments and jumping on the Alabama bandwagon. Every day you read about somebody who has uh, changed their mind and they're committing to Alabama. So I think Alabama football is going to be uh, loud and proud once again. I think they win it all. I'm going to buy that at least for the regular season. I'm not sure about the playoffs. I agree with Chris. I'm not sure if those games would be not that close, as you said. But they're favored by double digits in every regular season matchup this season. Some people said their second stringers could be a playoff team. When you hear that sentence, you know that they're Alabama good as usual and maybe even better than they normally are, which is scary. But come playoff time, you know, some people, probably a lot of people thought they could handle Georgia last year, even though Georgia was that good. I'll say regular season, it won't be close, and I'm buying that. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. In the draft, the Saints took Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, and from out of practice the last three days, Trevor Penning has gotten into at least four fights. Of course, today he and a fellow defensive player were both kicked out of training camp for having a scuffle after the whistle. 
And if you look at every single video of Trevor Penning getting into each defender's head, it's playing after the whistle, it's trying to get an excessive pancake, and a little bit of a punch thrown here and there. Buy or sell? Physicality in training camp is nice, but the rookie needs to calm down before he gets someone hurt or he gets hurt. I'll buy that. The last sentence makes sense. He's got to calm down. But I think a lot of coaches like that, actually, that these guys are that aggressive. And it's, some, it's hard for some players to be that tame during camp. As long as you're not hitting a quarterback, receiver, or running back, I don't think it matters as much, but I'll buy it. You know, I'm. what was the question again? The rookie needs to calm down before he yeah. or someone else gets hurt. Right. This is not, you know, your 1974 NFL. They have huge investments in not just skill players, but defensive linemen, edge rushers, offensive linemen. There are some guys. you got to calm down. You, you don't want to beat up your own players. There's too much at stake. I'm buying. Buy, calm buy, down. buy, buy, or sell. Chill out. Sell, sell, sell. And that's today's Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth. Good job, as always. Uh, going back to <laughs> Zach Wilson, you know, the, the, the poor Jets. <laughs> They've had, since Joe Namath, quality quarterbacks. Richard Todd and Ken O'Brien, those guys were good quarterbacks. They're playoff quarterbacks. Richard Todd was overrated because he was at Alabama. They thought he'd be the next name. But Ken Anderson, uh, Ken O'Brien was good. You're right about him. Right, but at least Richard Todd brought them to the playoffs in 81 and 82. That was, the, I think the strike shortened season was one of them. Yeah, he wasn't bad. I mean, he wasn't a flop. Like some of the, I mean, Geno Smith was a flop. I don't think uh, Mark Sanchez was a flop. He went to two championship games his first two years. I, I just think, again, Sam Donald and Zach Wilson were bad choices. There were other options, like, oh, yeah, Josh Allen, for one. And mm -hmm. a number of quarterbacks. I mean, uh, Zach Wilson was the second uh, quarterback chosen last year, wasn't he, after Trevor Lawrence. And mm -hmm. the Jets screwed that up. They won a game at the end of the year. They could have had Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> the They've had some great names at quarterback. Problem is, it's when a lot of, you know, Vinny Testaverde, right? Vinny Testaverde was a uh, uh, they, uh, Joe Flacco. He's a Super Bowl winner. He's but he was old the when team. they first got him. Chad Pennington was a pretty good quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick, that was a big mistake. And, 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 and this is the story of Ryan Fitzpatrick's career, Fitzmagic. He starts 16 games for him. The next year he starts 11 games, and I believe he got hurt. And that's when they throw Bryce Petty in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, Geno Smith played a game that year. And then they go out and, and Josh McCown, they get rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick after 2016 to start Josh McCown. Ryan Fitzpatrick was fine. But what he started doing in his last two games, they were close to being a playoff team, and he threw way too many fourth-quarter interceptions. The last game of the year, if I'm not mistaken, was against Buffalo. might have been the next to last. Winning that game, and he threw two interceptions, I believe, in the end zone in that fourth quarter. It wasn't based on that one game, but he was fine overall. I think it didn't end well, and maybe at his age, they just thought he wouldn't be able to continue that. But those young quarterbacks that they got instead were way worse. Right, but at his age, he wasn't that old – six seven years ago when he was there 
I, Maybe they thought he was at the end of his prime and the interceptions mounting up. Uh, I don't know. And they went, you know, they went we, with we, the young studs who weren't yeah. good. They weren't studs. <laughs> they were, Josh McCown was not young no, but Bryce in 2017, Petty, but Bryce, Bryce Petty was later. Bryce Petty was later in 2017. But the it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was doing fine in Buffalo. He was he was doing very yeah, well in Buffalo, yeah, and yeah. It's, for some reason, it, it, you know, he, he saves a lot of teams. They go, thank you very much. Here's the door. All right, 11 minutes after here with the animals on Tom Brady Day. Happy birthday, Tom Brady. Vin Scully passed away yesterday, and it was really sad. I'm I'm not a Vin Scully fan, and I know that a lot of people are, not because necessarily. Well, I guess. In the later years of cable TV, because when did he retire? 2016, yeah. yeah. So you had cable TV, and I guess you had Dodger games on television so people could hear Vin Scully, I guess. I mean, he was a national broadcaster for CBS television and CBS radio for years. Um, but I guess he did that job while he was also the Dodgers broadcaster. Is that right? Yeah, but basically what he did, he did a lot of World Series. So for CBS, it was the national broadcast at the end of the season. And, you know, in New York, I didn't hear any Dodger games. I heard a few while I was in L.A. visiting, but not many. But he called the Bill Buckner game, the Bill Buckner error against the Mets, 86 World Series. He called that play, and I'm reading the quote right now. So many memorable quotes by Vince Scully on radio. But hearing him doing the national games, he was a legend, I think, around the country because of that, as well as being a legend in L.A. You know, some one of the Dodgers, I forget which Dodgers said, he was the one who, he was the best thing to come to the Dodgers when they moved to L.A. He was what the Dodgers were all about. I mean, that's quite a testament, testament to a broadcaster that you were the best thing about the Dodgers in Los Angeles was the announcer. And I know it's kind of an exaggeration, a nice thing to say, but I think there's some truth to that. Everybody looked up to him. He, he just painted a picture like nobody else could. There have been other really good ones, but when I listened to him, it just sounded a little different. He, um, I didn't realize this. Because he called football games. He called the catch with Dyke, yeah. uh, Dwight Clark. Uh, he was that guy. Uh, he did uh, golf, PGA Tour golf. And he did radio and television, but I'll just read this here. He decided to leave CBS to call baseball games for NBC starting in 1983 because of a dispute over assignment prominence. It's a, there's a book called The Game Behind the Game, and CBS decided in 81 that John Madden um, – was going to be the star color commentator for their NFL coverage. Wow. They couldn't figure out who John Madden's play-by-play partner was. Now, since Scully was in a battle with CBS's lead play-by-play announcer, Pat Summerall, for the position, at the time, I guess the the number two announcer for CBS, um, anyway, I guess it was a deal with Pat Summerall and, John Madden, which became that legendary pair, right? Yes. Vin Scully wasn't happy about it. He left CBS and uh, went to NBC. but And he worked for NBC for like six or seven years. But he was the lead broadcaster uh, in most of the 80s for NBC's um, NBC TVs. They had a Saturday game of the week that he did. 
And then, like you said, all the World Series and things as well. So I don't remember much. Uh, I remember the catch with Dwight Clark, but I don't remember going, oh, that was a great call by Vin Scully. Yeah, right, right. I know. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he, he was legendary. So many great calls, whether it was the Kirk Gibson home run, the pinch hit home run against the A's in the Earthquake World Series. Uh, mm-hmm. So many great calls. And I'd forgotten about the catch. I've read that years ago. And According to all reports, such a great guy, helpful to young broadcasters. I heard Tim Kirchin last night saying the first time he met him, Vince Scully asked all about his life and his career, and he gave him this advice. Whatever you do, be yourself. Write the story from your own way of perceiving things. That way the story will be yours and nobody else's, and at least you'll have that. It'll be everything you think. Don't try to be somebody else or write like somebody else would talk or write. And Tim Kirchin said it was great advice early in his career. Now, Vin Scully's first wife was Joan Crawford. Is that the Joan Crawford? I, I've never heard that before. No, I've never heard that. You never heard his first that wife That he was married was Joan to Joan Crawford? Crawford. I, I would think that would yeah. have been in the movie um, about her, but I, I, don't, I didn't know that it was the actress. Wow. Uh, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't asking that think, question if anybody out there know, that anybody knows that his wife, she passed away from an overdose, which is very, very... Um, which is uh, very, very sad. And then he outlived his second wife as well. They just seem so, gosh, she just must, she just passed away recently too, uh, ALS. But 67 years in the booth, and his last game was against the Giants and uh, uh, AT&T, I guess it was called at the time, and they gave him a great tribute then and last night. As Ironically, they were playing each other again last night. I'm sure a lot of teams will continue to do that this weekend. You know what's funny is that he is a you know associated with the Dodgers longer than anybody else except Tommy Lasorda, but he's a guy uh, who grew up as a uh, Giants fan. <laughs> grew up in the Bronx, New York, and I uh, was with the Dodgers in Brooklyn uh-huh. in their only World Series victory in Brooklyn, and he went, he moved out west with them. And I don't know if he was a fan of it right away from what I'm reading, but, you know, again, somebody else saying he's the one, he's more responsible than anybody else for them being successful in L.A. This is this is kind of his story. So his father, Vincent Aloysius Scully, was a silk salesman. This is so, like, you know, 1920s, right? His father mm-hmm. was a silk salesman. His mother was a homemaker. He was of Irish descent. His biological father died of pneumonia when Scully was four. Now, later, his mom married a married a English merchant sailor, and uh, his name was Alan Reeve, who Scully considers his dad. He went to uh, school. He worked. He had a side job growing up. He worked delivering beer and mail <laughs> together. <laughs> they had Uber Eats way back then. It's like, <laughs> hey, uh, he. He pushed garment racks and cleaned silver in the basement of the Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Hotel in New York City. Now he first became wow in uh, first became interested in baseball in 1936. I uh, was at a laundromat and he felt really bad because the New York Giants, I guess, lost the World Series. He lived near the Polo Grounds where they played. He was a member of the uh, uh, Pal baseball league as a kid and then the catholic youth organization so he was able to go to games for free you know i guess kids get in free or if you're right, in there right. playing baseball with the police league you get in free so he became a huge huge giants fan 
Interesting, huh? It really is. I thought that was brought up a lot yesterday. You know, one thing I was thinking about with Vince Scully, Chris, with everything we've heard and read in the last 24 hours, great reports and how much he meant to so many people. 67 years, as we said in the booth. John Sterling does the Yankees game. John Sterling is a legend as well. Not, and I, I love listening to John Sterling. He's getting up there in age. When he is gone, we're going to hear a lot of great tributes to John Sterling. I don't think it'll match Vince Scully. It's not a knock on John Sterling because he's great. It just showed that Vince Scully, when they say he was the best of the best, he was the GOAT. Everybody, I think, really believes that. It's just not trying to be nice because there's so many great announcers out there, but he was above anybody else according to anybody who has commented on this. And his Joan Crawford, was not the actress, was not his uh, wife. The actress was... She was married to Douglas Fairbanks and Franchot Tonet, Philip Terry, Alfred. She's been married a lot. Anyway. Mommy um, dearest. <laughs> yeah. No, more wire hanger. I've never seen that movie. I've never seen that movie. Only only heard about it. Okay, got a traffic update coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Elima Le McFarlane joins us right around the corner on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. going to be fun talking with our next guest because there's another Bellator fight, Bellator 284, coming up on Friday, August 12th in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. And joining us now, getting ready for a fight that night, our very own Alima Lay McFarlane, getting ready for Bellator 284. Alima, thank you so much for joining us. How has the training been going so far? Oh, I mean, it's been going good. This is the last final week of preparation before I fly out there. So, you know, it's all about the weight cut and staying strong. You were going up against Bruno Ellen uh, on that fight on Friday, August 12th. It'll be on Showtime starting at 3 p.m. Hawaii time. And I know you had some interesting comments about the fight where you like to take the fight to the ground, but she's not necessarily that type of fighter, and you were describing her as a point fighter and not a finisher. Can you elaborate a little bit on those comments? Yes. So if you were to look at our records, you would see that majority of my fights are all by finishes. You know, I like to go for the submission win or the knockout if I can. Whereas Bruna, all of her fights go to decision. So she definitely has the endurance to go all 15 minutes. But, yeah, she's not necessarily one that I'm too concerned about, you know, knocking me out or submitting me. Um, and so I think that, yeah, she's a point fighter where she likes to go to the judges. You know, if the judges think that she's the one that's hitting the most effective strikes um, or doing the, you know, more work in the cage, then they're going to award her the win. Uh, so that's what I mean by when I describe her as a point fighter. I know you also mentioned in an interview recently that the rankings don't mean anything. I'll use that word uh, when you talk about your opponent not being ranked. Can you talk about that a little bit with the rankings? Yes, yes, because uh, people have asked me if I was concerned that, you know, oh, how come Lima's fighting an unranked opponent, which I was like, yeah, you know, it doesn't mean anything really because – uh, the only reason Bruna is not ranked was because of COVID. She is a nas uh, Brazilian national, and she wasn't able to uh, get the necessary documentation or visas to come over to the States to fight. And so she was pretty much out for two years. Otherwise, she definitely would be ranked. She was one of the first wave of fighters that was signed to the Bellator division alongside myself. She's fought pretty much everybody I, I have fought. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, the rankings are extremely subjective. And, uh, like I said, rankings don't mean anything because, you know, A beating B does not necessarily mean, you know, B is going to beat C. It's it's just, it's crazy, especially in our division. So, uh, yeah, she's unranked, but she's solid. Alima Lay McFarland joining the animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN. Honolulu, Bellator, 284, Friday, August 12, 3 p.m., starting on Showtime. Well, I do have a rankings question because I saw this about a week or so ago by Bellator MMA, the women's pound-for-pound pound rankings overall. You were listed at number six. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that list or if you have any interest in it, but what are your thoughts when you hear that? That's cool. I mean, I again, I don't really care too much about the rankings, but the fact that I am ranked amongst, you know, other names like Chris Cyborg, the GOAT, you know, and all these women that I looked up to throughout my entire career, that's really cool that I'm right alongside them. How is your health these days? I know recently you had some injuries with your neck, and I believe you're back. How is everything now health-wise? It's okay. My neck responded really well to the treatment that I got post-fight. You know, I, I did PRP and stem cell and all the injections and rehab. So my neck responded really well. My knee, unfortunately, has not been doing that well. But, you know, that's just the name of the game. If you are in combat sports, most likely you're not going to have healthy knees. So, you know, that's just something that we as athletes have to deal with and uh, just make sure that we're able to adapt our training, and our fight style, and, uh, you know, holomua, move forward. I read this recently as well. To me, this is kind of sad news, but it's totally understandable. You mentioned that you have four fights left on your current contract with Bellator. You plan on finishing out those four fights and then retiring. You hope to win at least two, if not three of them, to get a title fight to end it all. And you talk about things what you want to do after your career is over. Can you talk about that as far as your retirement uh, coming up? Hopefully not for a while, but after the next four fights. Yes, yes. So, yeah, the reality is, you know, as fighters, as professional athletes, we have a shelf life. And I think these last um, year, you know, after I lost the belt and just trying to come back from all these injuries just kind of made me really sad that, you know, I'm not going to be where I was uh, physical-wise. I'm not getting any younger. And at the end of the day, I really just want to be able to walk normally and not be in pain and be able to chase after hopefully my future babies, you know, and be healthy for them. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a reality that a lot of us have to accept, but I've come to terms with it. And I do think that I'm on the tail end of my career, but that's not to say I'm going to stop fighting entirely. We've seen many, many fighters, you know, go into retirement and then come out of retirement. I've seen, you know, it is one of my dreams to start my own family and have my own babies. And, um, you know, we've seen lots of moms do that. Um, Misha Tate, a great example. She retired and she had her beautiful children. And then, you know, she's now on her comeback. So, uh, you know, it's not impossible but I do know that I, I want to take a, a pretty lengthy break after this contract is up and focus on, on other things. You know, I, I am running two gyms up here in California, in San Diego. I have my nonprofit that I do. I'm, you know, highly active and, uh, you know, I fight for a lot of causes outside of the cage. So, you know, I think that's going to be my focus after this contract is up and then see where, where it takes me. 
The Eliminator, who you can follow on tr- Twitter at Eliminator, Lima Lay McFarland, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. So you've got the fight on Friday the 12th, showtime 3 p.m. After that, do you have any insight on whether you'll be able to fight here in the next fight or two after that in Hawaii? You know, the only insight that I have is that I'm not sure if we're going to come back to Hawaii this year, like we normally do the winter, the winter fights. But um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be in Hawaii this year, but next year for sure. So, uh, you know, my family was really concerned when they saw the headlines that I was thinking about retiring, and they're like, "You can't retire after this fight." I'm like, "Don't worry, I would not retire so suddenly like that. I will make sure." to do it at least in Hawaii, of course. So, um, yeah, hopefully that happens next year. Hopefully you will have that three-match winning streak, three-fight three winning streak, and then get to the title right before you uh, your contract. And, Alima, thanks again for joining us. Much luck against uh, Ellen, uh, Bruno Ellen in so- Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Friday, August 12, 3 p.m. on Showtime, Bellator 284. Good luck. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, family. Talk to you guys after. Okay, thank you so much. Elima Lee McFarland getting ready for, right now, one of her last four fights on this contract, and then at least a semi-retirement. Yeah, and then, well, semi-retirement means you're, that's not semi-retirement. It would be, but she wants to go and uh, make babies, so that would be great. And I'm, you know what, and I'm sure her dad, I'm sure her dad, Walter, would enjoy that, right? You know, sure. having, more, having grandbabies, right on. It's a win-win situation for everybody. Boy, does she really represent the state of Hawaii with, you know, we, 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 one of those athletes that we just look at with such pride uh, when talking to her or watching her perform or seeing her on or off, in or out of the cage. But once right. again, August 12th, Bellator 284, Elimile McFarland. Coming up on ESPN Honolulu, later on, uh, Bobby Kern's going to join us. And we got a lot to go over with the NFL. We've got University of Hawaii football, Mountain West football, all on the way with the animals here on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. I see here. I'm looking at profootballtalk.com, and the headline reads. Bill Belichick on Tom Brady slash Dolphins tampering. He's just I'm only, <laughs> I, I guess you have to ask Bill Belichick because the tampering went on while started when Tom Brady was still with the Patriots, right? Yes. So yes. I guess you have to ask, but do you really think you're going to get an answer from Bill Belichick? <laughs> they asked him, you know, what do you think about this Tom Brady tampering thing while he was with the Patriots? I'm just focused on training camp. But uh, it was happened uh, by the, behind your back. Doesn't that make you upset? I'm just uh, focusing on training camp. <laughs> right? Over and over again. I'm just focusing on training camp. Focused on training camp. Any other questions? I'm focused on training camp. You're not going to get an answer out of Bill Belichick. Come on. He could have said we're just getting ready for Cincinnati. That was usually his answer years oh, ago. Yeah. For <laughs> I wonder how he really feels, though. I mean, does this bother him at all, a little, or a lot? I can understand if it bothers him a lot. They had battles that last year. They weren't getting along. That's one of the reasons Brady left. And now you find this out about Brady if he didn't know it before? I don't know. I, I Or you just say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm too, at this point, I'm too old to care. Might be and a little of both. And I'm just focusing on training camp. <laughs> We're just getting ready for Cincinnati. 
and they play each other week one, and I, somebody had written, it might have been Ben Bolin on Twitter earlier, too bad Stephen Ross is suspended for that game. That would have been a nice interaction with Robert Kraft and Stephen Ross, because the owners are at every game, uh, maybe uh, greeting each other before week one after knowing all this. They'll be each other. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, he who is without sin casts the first stone. I mean, Robert Kraft can't really, uh, you know. Well, at least I wasn't in a limo coming out of a massage shop. Yeah. You know, that kind of. All right, 808-296-1420. We did get a text. um, And we have one from uh, somebody texted in. I I don't get this. And I wish you'd explain more. Pick up the phone and call in. says, why are you guys, why are you guys laughing? It's like you guys are roasting a legend. Talking about um, Vin Scully. I thought it was interesting and that I, I'm guessing the only what he's talking about is I found it ironic and very interesting that the 67-year-old Dodger broadcaster grew up a New York Giants later to become the, uh, you know, the, the San Francisco Giants. He was a Giants fan growing up. Loved the Giants. Went to all their games for free in New York. Big I think you can celebrate somebody's life. It's, what using the word roasting, roasting, roasting to me is is those uh, shows where you're 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 teasing somebody. You have a panel of celebrities with Rich Little and Foster Brooks. You know, roasting people. That's a roast to me. Right. Steve roasting Vin Scully. I almost say, how dare you? I really yeah. wish you would explain your text. Or pick up the phone and call in. My goodness. That, we that's were, offensive. That's yeah, really offensive. We were I guess saying nowadays, so though, when you text him. in, you can you can, you can can say whatever you want by, by texting in. But that's a little offensive, I think. Definitely so. We were giving so many positive tributes that we felt. I mean, I, I've had some experience hearing him, but all the great games he called, the great classic line, the Bill Buckner era in the 86 World Series, it was very ironic. I mean, of all the irony for a legend, again, some of the quotes were saying that he was the reason the Dodgers are successful in L.A., which is great. And then he's a Giants fan. There's a lot of irony there. So if we chuckled over that, I think that's fine. But everything else we said was with the utmost respect. Yeah, we spent enough time on that. Uh, Folks, you can text in or call 808-296-1420. The uh, University of Hawaii football practice is underway. We'll be up at the practice fields on Monday. Hunter Hughes and I doing the show from there. And I was perusing around. I like going to the the Mountain West Wire, mwwire.com. There's also SB Nation has a Mountain West uh, coverage um, on their website as well. But they've listed the top 10 players in the Mountain West Conference. No one from Hawaii. Unless you count San Jose State quarterback Shevin Cordero. He's in the top 10? I believe so. Top, top 50. Uh, oh, yeah. sorry, top in 50. the top 50. Yeah, he's listed at in 38. In the top 50, he's listed at number 38. I was looking at, sorry, looking at the top players that Hawaii will face. <laughs> they have a list of top, the, the top 50 we can get back into because Bless Mintaal and Il Manning are on that list. But um, with their the top 10 players 
that Hawaii will face. And remember, we've got Michigan on the schedule, and, uh, you know, Colorado State is supposed to be real uh, sporty. But the fifth best player that Hawaii is going to face this year, they say, is Chevin Cordero. Now, we hear he's battling for the job. I don't know if that's the case. I think I think Chevin Cordero's, if you look at what the media says, whether it's in San Jose State or the Mountain West Wire or SB Nation, Chevin Cordero is the man uh, for Colorado, uh, San Jose State. So they say he's, he's the fifth best player we're going to face. I don't know if that's encouraging or not, and we wish him well. I, it's I, not for us. <laughs> well, if, if he is really the fifth best, again, he's a good quarterback, and my personal opinion on Chevin Cordero is that he's good. He wasn't one of the greatest quarterbacks we've had over the last 20, 30 years, but he was a no, good starting but... quarterback. So when you hear that he's going to be the fifth best player we go up against, I almost look at that that maybe that's not as tough of a list that it might have been in other years. I just, I just think that, you know, it – it's it doesn't make sense to kind of think this way but just for a second think about this think about with this rpo run and shoot whatever timmy chang's brand of offense is boy chevin cadero could run could run that really well i mean he's the guy first guy we've had i believe six thousand passing yards and a thousand yards rushing chevin cadero is a great runner chevin cadero's in the top four or five at most, quarterbacks, I think, in the Mountain West Conference. I don't know what we have in Hawaii yet, so I, I, I can't really make a complete list in my mind. But Chevin Cordero is still a really good quarterback. Yeah, from what I remember, well, you know, I can think of three right off the top of my head. Jake Hayner, of course, of Fresno, Bachmeyer, of Boise, and is it Logan Bonner for Utah State? He was pretty right. good last year. Those guys are all back. Right. So the, Okay, so these are the toughest guys UH is going to face. Up, yeah. Number one, Jake Hayner, Fresno State. Man, he's getting a lot of hype. It worries me. It's like Carson Strong type hype. Right, uh, number right. two, Utah State's Logan Bonner, the quarterback. Number three, the quarterbacks from Michigan. It's either Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy. They don't know who it is, but that's going to be the third best guys we face. These are all quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, this is the quarterbacks we're going to face. Number four is Western Kentucky's Jarrett. I don't know how to say his last name. Doogie. They had the guy Bailey. I think it's Zappy, not Bailey Zapp. Zappy. He's he's in the NFL. He's on some NFL team last year. That's why they were so good last year. Western yeah. Kentucky. Right. And they had a ton. Western Kentucky had a ton of transfer portal guys for some reason. Right. Uh, they lost uh, a few uh, this year offseason. Chevin Cordero is number five. Colorado State's Clay Millen is number six. We don't really know a lot about him, except he has a strong arm. And then at number seven, speaking of Hawaii guys, Cameron Friel of UNLV. But they're not sure who the starter is going to be. Cameron Friel, Doug Brumfield, or Harrison Bailey for UNLV. So it sounds like those are all quarterbacks, which I wonder if yeah. those are the best players or the best quarterbacks. Best quarterbacks, I should say, yeah. Friel was good last year. He had some really good passing game. I think right before they played Hawaii, he had like three touchdowns against San Diego State in their first one of the year. Brumfield, I remember, could run a little bit. Yeah, I don't remember Friel being that effective against Hawaii last year. No, he did have a great game against us, but the week before he had a fantastic game on that Friday night against San Diego State. Right. Uh, I think Hawaii kind of made it a little easier for him them to have success against us last year. All right, Bobby Kern's going to join us coming up next. We'll see what he's up to here on ESPN Honolulu.
All right. Bobby Curran on the Bobby Curran Show. How's it, Bobby? Good, guys. How are you? Doing well. You, you sound good. How are you feeling? Well, when I'm sitting down, like just talking, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, my problem comes with movement. So, um, yeah, I don't, um, I don't, my testing levels aren't great. I'm, I'm trying to stay, re- I'm doing all the things they recommend. I'm leaving on Sunday uh, for the evaluation, which if, it, if I'm in their window, as they like to say, I stay there and, and wait for the donor and then go right to surgery and recover. You know, we just so got a text. In which case, they tell me I'll be there till March, which is crazy, oh. but we'll see. Okay, so we got a text yesterday, and some people might aren't aware. They say, hey, where's Bobby Curran? Did you, would it be okay for you to kind of explain to folks what's going on? Well, I'm basically, when I, I was diagnosed about four years, five years ago with, with some level of COPD, in my case, emphysema. And that has gotten progressively worse. And so now I'm pretty much not every second of every day, but I have oxygen on a lot, you know, a portable oxygen concentrator mm-hmm. that I keep on me because that helps a great deal. I, in fact, I'm intending after this interview to head over to UH for it and see how long I can, I get tired fast. So, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go and at least catch a little bit of UH football practice. I, that's my, I haven't been to one yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious. Obviously I'm not doing the games this year. So that's, it's not as critical that I be there, but I just feel like I want to show my support to the group. Sure. Anyway, I, yeah, I can get, uh, you know, I can do what I have to do, but I get really, I mean, just if I have to go uphill at all, it's embarrassing. I mean, I got to stop every 30, 40 feet and rest. So this, I am a perfect candidate for this transplant. So we'll see. They, I think the word, there's two options at this point, it sounds like. It, it'll, either they'll say, okay, you're in the window and we'll get going with this. Or they'll say, you know what, we're going to wait six months. And I think those are the, really the two. There's no chance they're going to say, no, nah, you're fine. Get out of here. That's <laughs> not going to happen because I've had enough testing to know that that's not the deal. Well, so you know anyway, what? I mean, I, you, you know, sound I'm great. Stay positive, really. You sound great. Well, Your voice sounds great. You sound like you should be on the radio. And I should stop well, my waking mom, up early. My, my <laughs> wife, My wife is very similar to the way my mother used to be. So... My mother was always like, if you weren't going to get a big head, people say, actually, because my weight's down. And, you know, people say, wow, you look good. My wife just will get in my ear and say, actually, you look like, well, I don't have to tell you what the next word would be, but it's not positive. So she's not going along with the you look good. Um, oh, so anyway. Yeah, that's a, you know, only only the people who love you will tell you, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to do trying to do what they say I'm, I'm staying rested and i i get i get in sunday we start this whole deal on monday in phoenix at st joseph's hospital and you know i'm, I'm hopeful I'm, I'm an optimistic sort i think by nature so i'm i'm hoping it's 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 about as serious a surgery as you could contemplate sure but you know what, it, when, it, when it's successful it, it's transformative so let's hope we're not supposed to be religious, but people have called and they've they've uh, or they've texted in or called and so wanted to know how they can pray for you. So on Monday, what time are you going to be uh, seeing the doctor? Is it Monday? Well, on Monday is registration, and I think I do a six-minute walk. They see how far you can walk in six minutes, which will so be Monday- an embarrassingly short distance. But uh, so it'll be start on Monday. But by the way, I have been. 
to the Pearlside Church. Uh, I was taken there with uh, Artie oh, Wilson and his that's wife. That's right down the street there it, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Norman Nakanishi. I don't know if you know him. He used to be the chaplain mm-hmm. for you. I'm telling you, it was it was such a positive experience. I am so – I wouldn't say turned around because I've always would have said I believe in God, but that was more of a – that was really that was something, and uh, they had me actually stay. They had another pastor, Pastor Gus, who's a uh, a former. He played football at Fresno State. He's a heart transplant recipient. That's why they wanted oh. me to go on that one. And he was one of the speakers, and so he and I kind of hit it off after this. So they wanted me to come back and sort of say some prayers in the green room. Uh-huh. For me, it was really it was it was quite an experience. I'm. Uh, I know I'm very positive about that, and I appreciate anybody who's praying for me. And I have a number, a large number of people who tell me they are. So, hey, I think when you get down to this, it's sort of out of your, you know, this whole thing is now out of my hands in a way. Sure, I'm sure. doing what I can do, but after that, it's uh, it's up to the man upstairs. There you go. So Monday, uh, you know, everybody, uh, Monday especially, uh, pray for good things to happen as Bobby uh, gets into uh, gets into Phoenix and starts to get evaluated. Bobby, I'm not sure if you can yeah, answer 15, this part. But 15 after the, days of evaluation. Believe that's that. what I was going to ask. Okay. Crazy. Man. Yeah. And if you are approved, you, you have to wait for a donor, so that could be any time frame at all after they approve you? There, yes, but their average wait for a donor on lungs is 15 days. It's it's one of the maybe the fastest one in the entire country. Wow, yeah, that, that's good news. That's really listen. I'm all good if they say, "Hey, we got a donor four days from now." It's like, okay, let's go. I mean, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm committed to this process. I'm ready to do this. It's my quality of life is not what it what i kind of imagined it would be at this stage of my life and all the results i'm I'm getting calls i've been put in contact with other people who've had the surgery it's transformed one guy who couldn't make it to the bathroom seven steps he just was in his chair fully it couldn't be without oxygen for a second he had the surgery two and a half years ago he and his wife just hiked the rim of the grand canyon wow so i mean some of the stuff that you the stories you hear are quite quite remarkable so i'm hoping to get back to i don't necessarily need to hike the grand canyon but i would like to be able to work at altitude and you know get back to being with you guys and working and all that stuff that's what i'm hoping that's what i'm hoping for bobby where were you you heard about ben scully yesterday i'm sure as somebody you remember yeah. growing up and what memories stand out about ben scully's career to you i just thought he was so good at not trying to sound like anybody else. He said he got that advice from Red Barber early, and he always mm. followed it. He, ha- he was unique, um, and he was kind of a guy who used words. I have tried in a lot of ways to follow uh, him in this respect. I, tried, I never bothered to try to sound like somebody else. I just said, you know, I took the advice because it was not only Vince Scully's, but even Jim Leahy's was just be yourself. Don't, you know, and I think that's the best advice some, in some ways you could get. And uh, I'm never, not that I'm ever going to be a Vince Scully, but I just think you're better off and you'll be the, your best self if you be your own self. And, and so that's sort of what I've tried to do. But he is, uh, I mean, he was just such an incredible wordsmith and storyteller that he, you know, I'll just uh, miss him. But he was so good when he was, he was the, I think he was, I heard someone say he was the best that ever was, and that might have been true. Right on. Saying that. 
as you know, we're up against the clock now. But, Bobby, hey, you know what? Yeah, good, luck, good luck next week. Folks, uh, start praying hard on Monday. And may, hopefully we can check We'll check in with you next week again if that's okay. Anytime, anytime. As long as I'm not under in surgery or post-op, you go ahead and bring me up. Right on. Thanks, Thanks Bobby. Bobby. Good luck. All right, guys. See you. All right. All right. Uh, uh, God bless you, Bobby Curran. Boy, he sounds good, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He hasn't sounded that good in a long time. Now, his wife says he looks like crap. Hey, but that's okay. So do we. This is the radio. <laughs> we're on radio. He, he sounded great. That, yes. uh, that's, that's really that's encouraging. I hope that's uh, encouraging for some folks, but... Uh, you know, he's still got a long way to go, but, um, you know, we keep him in our thoughts and we keep him in our prayers. And uh, we uh, not only Bobby, but uh, his entire family and for the doctors as well. We'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories we're following today on ESPN Honolulu. Vin Scully yesterday passed away, and there's been a lot of tributes to him. Uh, the, a lot of many people consider the best sports broadcaster of all time. Definitely a legend. Glad he went out on top. The, the tributes, even when he was retiring his last year, like yeah. six years ago, was fantastic. Every Dodger player tipped their helmet to him when they came up to the plate. That was great. Juan Soto, the baseball trade yesterday, probably the biggest in-season baseball trade ever. That's what they say to get a guy that young, that talented, and under contract was a big get for San Diego. And somehow the Nationals still beat the Mets yesterday without their stars. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Didn't like that. Elimelay McFarlane returns to the cage August 12th. In Bellator 284. It'll be on Showtime starting at 3 p.m. Hawaii time. Bruna Ellen is the opponent and uh, one of the last four fights for Ilya Malay under this contract that she will retire at least at the time. And uh, where do we go from here? Did you see that thing yesterday? It was like yesterday or the day before. Uh, um, what's his name? Ronaldo, the, the, you know, the big soccer player. Yes. I guess he left the game early. Which we've seen a few, you know, Evander Joaquim is what he did. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but. <laughs> Evander Joaquim, the team, I guess, and it wasn't even a loss. It was a tie, one-to-one, and uh, he just uh, kind of left the stadium. We've seen people, who did that? Was it Terrell Owens or Randy Moss or somebody like that? Randy Moss left at least before halftime, and Troy Aikman left the Pro Bowl early to catch a flight, I believe. Yeah, well, I remember we were all terribly offended by that. Yes. We, think about that. That is so hilarious. I remember that. Everyone in Hawaii was so offended. You left the Pro Bowl early. <laughs> it's the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares. That but anyway, amazing. I don't know what I don't know what Ronaldo's probably. He's been in. He's been involved in a bunch of shady things lately. But now, the soccer world is uh, very very upset because he left. He had an early exit. Good thing I'm not a fan because it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> not at all. All right. Uh, let's see. It's Tom Brady's birthday today. That's a big topic. 45 years old. Oh, 45 because I understand Leonard Fournette gave him a, a cake honoring his 100th birthday. So well, I guess he funny. got a little mixed up there on that. Uh-huh. That's funny. <laughs> Tom Brady, you know, he said he's going to retire when he's 45. 
and now he is. One thing we didn't get to ask Ben Volan on. But now he is. So I don't think he's going to retire now. He's going to play this year after coming out of the retirement. But a lot of people thought, and that's what the key word, I think, before yesterday's news about the Miami Dolphins punishment, thought that after this season he could still join the Miami Dolphins because the, the way this all played out and maybe the reason he retired at the time, he was hoping Tampa Bay would just release him. They, he, they never released him, so he's still under contract for a year, which means if he comes out of retirement, he has to play there. Bruce Arians moved up, might have been part of the reason he came back, but the talk was, and we know that for a fact now, that he did talk to Miami about being a coach and slash maybe a minority owner as well. So those talks were there. He wanted to join them, but he wasn't allowed because of his contract status. This is his last year under contract with Tampa Bay. So I'm wondering next off season, first of all, would he still have that same interest? And I don't like that because Tua is their starting quarterback today. But again, if you can get a guy named Brady, even at 46, I guess you would almost any team would do that. I wonder, though, because of what the news is about the tampering and everything, is if Miami would explore that and if Brady would want to go down that road again. I don't know, but I think that's a big question out there, and I know that's still a year away, but I wonder about that. Wait, this is Tua's third year coming up, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so this is in two, This is in 2019 when they drafted Tua number five overall. He's trying to get Tom Brady to be their quarterback. And it was uh, during, yeah, and I think it was after the draft, too, if I'm not mistaken. How do you, I don't get that. I I, I I mean, I I, I see what you're saying. Maybe you're saying, hey, let's get uh, Tom Brady and Tua can learn behind Tom Brady. Right. And that would be a great situation uh, for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But, boy, I wonder what you think if you're Tua Tonga-Vailoa. If you're like, man, this guy has been trying to get rid of me from the day I started. That is something, I mean, he said last week he doesn't hear the outside noise, so it can't affect him, were it to that effect. But I, that, I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't know if necessarily that believe it either, but it's a good approach. Tom Brady's a different animal. How can anybody be upset about that? And especially as a rookie coming off the hip injury at that time, I don't know if, if he knew then or he would be upset about it now, but at that time it made sense. You, would get, you weren't getting Brady for five years. You were getting right, it for right, right. one, two, three years, so it makes no, sense on all angles, I think. It makes sense at all angles, but you're coming out of Alabama going, yeah, I'm drafted in the NFL. Here's my start. What? You, that, you want yeah. somebody else to be the starting quarterback? I, I, I thought it was me. You know, Tua Tagovailoa probably doesn't sit there scroll, watching a bunch of re- reels on Instagram, <laughs> but he does have social media. But I, I believe him when he's like, I don't pay attention to that stuff. But when you're every day you're in, after practice, you're asked about this stuff, you know what's going on. Yeah. So I don't believe that athletes don't follow that stuff. I think that you, they, he probably turns it off after a little while. But it's got to hurt. Uh, you know, it's either hurts or it fuels your passion to show everybody how wrong they are. I would think it, I would hope it would fuel his passion, and I, I think oh, yeah. I would think if you're a pro athlete on that level, the mental aspects are so important, and you're probably really good at the mental approach. That's why you're at that level as a pro athlete, and mm-hmm. maybe you don't totally shut it off, but you can learn to ignore it. And as, as a lot of athletes have said, and Tua said as well recently, I can only control. I only can control what I can control. It's right. the right approach because everybody else talking. If he really paid attention, to everything on Twitter, he would go crazy. I mean, all those comments on any Miami Dolphins beat writer or TV personality or radio mm-hmm. guy. I mean, the, the, the comments you talked about them last week. They were 
50-50 are close to it, but there's so many negative ones, so many positive. I would stay away from that if I was him at all costs oh, sure. possible. And that's why I don't have a problem with Tyreek Hill saying that he's the most accurate passer or whatever he does. Remember, he's in training camp. He's in his locker room, and he is around nothing but probably positiveness from his players. The only guys that you're playing this game for, well, he wears number one because uh, it represents the number one guy in his life, God. So besides after God, his teammates are number one. And those guys are all positive. They're all backing him 110%. So I think it's 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 a it's a good situation for him if you do stay off social media. He probably is off of it right now. What I what I like about pro sports, and I'm not sure if this is the case everywhere, but even for Deshaun Watson on Cleveland, everything we've heard publicly is that his teammates are right behind him. I mean, Javian Clowney said that's why he signed with Cleveland because of Watson. But I think that's what goes on, and I love the bonding and supported, supporting each other. I mean, if you do something really, really illegal like Watson was alleged to do, that's a little different. But still, everybody seems to be supporting him, at least publicly. With Tua, I would think that's kind of par for the course for any pro team. You definitely support. You back them up. Uh, hopefully you wouldn't take it publicly if you're not happy with something like some athletes have done. You keep it in the locker room. But I think he's got that team and the teamwork and the team aspects behind him, and hopefully that will make his task a little easier if that's possible. Mm. The uh, Somebody texted in and said his wife for sure lets him know what's being said about him on social media. Really? Do you think she tells him that? I wouldn't I be surprised if some somebody in your family will let you know. You don't want to read it because you're going to get caught up in it. You won't stop, maybe, if there's some negative things will get to you. But maybe somebody will let you know. Sometimes I wonder if they even want to hear it. But I'm sure one of your close friends or family members might tell you stuff here and there. I think that's only probably natural. Mm, yeah. I, 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 as long as she's not the type that, um, like, was it Eli Apple's mom or, <laughs> you know, or Tom, uh, uh, Kurt Warner's wife. Now, this is before social media, but Kurt Warner's wife would be very outspoken. Uh, Tom Brady's wife, Giselle, has uh, come out and uh, tried to defend Tom Brady that he can't throw the ball and catch it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, the uh, Mrs. Tongavailoa, <laughs> good, it's a good thing. You don't get it because that becomes a distraction more than anything else, right? Yeah, you don't want that at all, at all costs. And that, you hear about LeBron James every playoff. He gets off Instagram or Twitter, does, you know, shuts it off. And it's I'm, I'm not, I would assume he does, but I would think that would be the smart approach for anybody, especially at that level and especially in a playoff atmosphere or time of the year. Mm-hmm. They, um, they'll, so tomorrow's the first preseason game. I just love the sound of that. we got football tomorrow, oh, high yeah. school football, the Hall of Fame game. And for anybody that might care, I saw this this morning, the Las Vegas Raiders, wherever they've been situated in L.A. and Oakland, they're 3-0 and in Hall of Fame games. So if you're thinking about betting, uh, maybe that means something. I don't know if it does, but it was noted hey, that they're 3-0 and in the Hall of Fame games. You know, you know what? Uh, if you're going to bet on preseason games, always go with the Lions. Oh, really? <laughs> they always do good in the previous. The, uh, hey, Tanner, do you have that, speaking of high school football, do you have that audio uh, of Rod York yesterday? Keegan left that for you. Rod York had something. Now, we have a guest, uh, uh, Amy Gutierrez, who uh, covers uh, San Francisco Giants baseball, is coming up momentarily. But 
it was Rod York, the head coach of the Mililani football team, was on Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy yesterday, and he had some comments about um, he had some comments about the former regime at the University of Hawaii. So maybe in about twenty minutes, we can get to that on the show. It was I, I found it kind of interesting what he had to say. Uh, so that is on the way. Hey, we got a few showers, uh, scattered showers this morning. The weatherman says mostly cloudy today, but gosh, I got nothing but blue skies here in the 96701. But uh, they say it's going to be mostly cloudy today. Winds a little bit lighter than yesterday, so it might be getting a little uh, sticky, sticky feeling, as my dad would say. Uh, put on an extra fufu juice. <laughs> Kind of warm last night, too. It felt almost humid at nighttime, which it usually doesn't. Uh, so we'll, we'll have the Hall of Fame game on CBS 1500 tomorrow. And uh, just great that every single week we have football, high school football starts tomorrow as well. One of 14 games this weekend. All right, football season is here. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about fall camp. And Bobby Kern's going to try to make his way to uh, watch a football practice, so that's good news. So we talk about fall camp at University of Hawaii. Hall of Fame game tomorrow, high school sports coming up, and um, really what the world is waiting for tomorrow is a big press conference uh, by Tony Busby, lawyer Tony Busby. That's what it was. <laughs> Again, he's got a press conference. What do you have? To, he has nothing to say. Why are you holding a press conference? He's also going to bring Ashley Solis, the first massage therapist to Sue Watson. She'll be part of this press conference. Um, I, I don't, I, is he just coming on to keep blasting Deshaun Watson? I, I don't get it. I get the impression he'd like to make a name for himself that, and I don't know for sure. I just get the impression that he wants to be as big or bigger than the story. And that I don't like seeing, but I am well, curious of what he wants yeah. to say tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I, I don't want to I don't say I'm serious about what he has to say. But I'm serious. I, I'm curious about what he comes up with. That's what I want to. That's what I want to see. But that's. But I mean, he's marketing himself, is what he's doing, right? Yeah. Again, I think he wants to be bigger than the story, making a name for himself. Maybe he wants to get some more clients. Make sure his name is still in the spotlight. And a ref, I mean, a lawyer should be like a referee. After the case, well, I guess not necessarily, but you know, referee does or an umpire doesn't want to be mentioned after a game. If they did their job well, the game speaks for itself. If I guess with a lawyer, it's a little bit different because if they win a case, like in Johnny Depp's case as an example, his lawyer became famous because of that. She got a promotion and everything like that. But you don't, I don't, I don't like the fact that lawyers are, you know, like the OJ case. Those lawyers became really famous. Whoever heard of a Kardashian before the OJ trial? Right. And we know what's happened ever since that. Right. And you know, better call Saul. I mean, that whole story. That's <laughs> all good. Yeah. Sorry, Jimmy McGill. <laughs> <laughs> Slipping Jimmy. Slipping Jimmy. All right, uh, we have a guest coming up next. We're going to talk Giants baseball with Amy Gutierrez, and then I'm going to see if I can find that audio uh, about the old regime at University of Hawaii football. It's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Gary and Chris with the animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball and the San Francisco Giants. They've got a really special deal coming up next week, and we'll get into that as we are joined now by our good friend Amy Gutierrez was with us. Amy, you're with the Major League Baseball Network as an in-game reporter. Can you give us an example on some of the things you talk about during a game on the MLB Network? 
Hi, guys. Aloha. I kind of wish I was where you are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been great so far this summer working with MLB Network for their YouTube Game of the Week. And it's very much like, you know, Giants fans who know me. It's exactly what I did for 13 seasons with the Giants where I'm in the game and trying to come up with something that may be of interest to the fan base watching the game, something they may not have known, something I may have seen behind the scenes that I can share that's fun, human interest, baseball-related, as of course, but just to keep the game entertaining. And it's been a, real, a really fun summer adding that to the mix on top of my Giants duties. We were talking after the All-Star game a couple of weeks ago on this show that it was really cool how they had players mic'd up, and you have more access because it's really an exhibition game. Do you feel or think that MLB – the MLB network or MLB in general can do anything along those lines? Because the access is great. I know sometimes you'll hear managers interviewed during a game from the dugout, but you think it's maybe headed in that direction at all? It, it's actually already there. So, I mean, I'm not sure how many broadcasts you guys are able to watch and how many you get on your time zone. But under the MLB network umbrella now, you have the showcase game, you have the Apple broadcast, and you have the YouTube broadcast. And I'm on the YouTube package. And within each of those, a player is mic'd up. In the Apple broadcast, they actually interview the managers during the game in between innings. And then in our broadcast for YouTube, we interview a player as well, along with oh. having a player mic'd up for the game where we can run sound. So there's a huge push, you guys, to make baseball a lot more engaging and a lot more entertaining. And what's super cool about the YouTube side is fan engagement. So they can write in while they're watching. And if you have a question for Kristen Yelich and he's our in-game reporter in Milwaukee, or he's our in-game interview in Milwaukee, then we can ask your question. So it's pretty fun because the fans, I think, have always felt baseball players especially are fairly intangible. And now, and the game moves kind of slow. So this helps the game move along a lot. That is interesting. I wasn't aware of that. I know my roommate right now has got the MLB Network on is watching the Seattle Yankee games, I believe, when I walked outside. Amy Gutierrez is our guest. She's with the MLB Network and also is a creator of digital content on the Giants YouTube channel. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I know you've got an interview with Will Clark, who I remember very well, doing a great job against my Mets with St. Louis and San Francisco in his career. Talk about that and some other interviews on the Giants YouTube channel. Yeah, I think the you know, this is where a lot of things are headed is to digital content. And we really wanted to engage the Giants fan base and bring them fun, uh, exciting content, whether it's the highlights or we have our own show on our YouTube, the Giants official YouTube channel called Mic'd Up, where you can hear players talk during warm-ups or during spring training and hear the things that they say and really feel like you're inside. And then my kind of my line on the Giants official YouTube channel is really all about engagement with players, coaches, and the manager, Gabe Kapler. So I have three different shows that are running currently on that. And then there's kind of a X factor show where I interviewed Buster Posey after he came back uh, to say goodbye to the fans after he announced his retirement because he announced his retirement in the off season. So he didn't have that chance to speak to the fans. So we did a long sit down, I think like 20 minutes with Buster. That's on the YouTube channel on my line. And then Will Clark, I actually caught up with him at spring training because we knew he was going to have his retirement day. Finally, it was supposed to happen in 2020. And ironically, and probably serendipitously, it happened in 2022 for him. So you can get some long format interviews. You can get to know the players. The player show is called Walk in the Park. 
the coaches show we got real creative with the title on that called coach convos and then i have a very fun show with gabe kapler monthly called nightcap uh, with a k and he's a huge scotch fan and so we <laughs> drink scotch and i do my best to look cool and not wince and we talk baseball but we also just talk random and um we had a fun show last month where we got into kind of would you rather questions? And he asked that the next show only be that because he had so much fun with it. So we're getting ready in August here to, to do a an only would you rather type of show with Gabe Kapler where I put him in different scenarios and he has to choose. So it's just a way for especially Giants fans. You guys know how long the run was where we knew every player. We felt like they were part of our family. They were together so long. They had so much success. And now – it's not like that. And you've got new faces and new coaches and a new manager and fans don't know them. And you had COVID drop right in the middle of all of that where we really couldn't get to know them. You couldn't go in the clubhouse, you know, you you had no access. So this is just kind of a, uh, trying to renew that relationship that the fan base has with the giants players and, and on a new platform too, you know, grow, grow with technology as it's, growing very fast and much faster than I'm able to wrap my head around. Sounds like a lot of cool stuff. I'm going to check it out. We have a lot of Giants fans here, so I'm sure they'll be interested in that as well. I want to talk about what's coming up next weekend, but before that, on your Twitter page, and you can follow Amy on Twitter at Amy, Amy G Multimedia. You list all the transaction and roster moves that the Giants did this last these last couple of days with the trade deadline. Did they get better? Did they help themselves as trying to make a wild card run for this year's playoffs? Oh, man, isn't that the – I'm going to date myself the $25 million question. Now it would probably be a $100 million question. You know, you hope so. It's funny, right? Last year, Farhan Zaidi was considered a genius with what he was able to do, and they had a 107-win season, which was incredible. And so the expectations, the bar was set so extremely high. And I think what you're seeing this season is a little bit of – the veteran age catch up to the team. You don't have Buster this year. We've seen Bart struggle, although I think he's kind of starting to come out of it. And I, and I think, so looking just at that, right, the trade of, of Casali, where they received a pitcher in exchange for him, that's going to kind of force Joey Bart to, to step in. And also maybe it's a vote of confidence for him. You know, like w- we're going to let go of this, this player who's kind of been um, – carrying you a little bit this season until he got hurt because we believe in you and we're going to bring in an arm because we need it. So I, I thought every transaction made sense, even though I think the Darren Ruff trade was really difficult for fans. Trade deadline is just, is awful, right? For fans. I mean, they're destroyed by who they lose, but then if you get something like think back to 2010 when the Giants picked up Cody Ross and everybody's like, oh, who's this guy, right? And they caught lightning in a bottle. So you, you never know who's going to be a star in this situation, who needed a change of scenery. And I kind of have a lot of faith in Farhan and, and what he's been able to do for other organizations. And this year's a tough one. They're in, they're in big-time trouble injury-wise. And so the the – the trades made sense to me, especially what I was going to say about Ruff is just people don't really like to talk about this, but Ruff was great offensively, but defensively he struggled. And I think that they needed to address that 
and um, really change their focus to defense. The amount of errors you're seeing, you know, with Crawford out, they had a third baseman playing shortstop, and they were joking last night in the broadcast that uh, Dom Leone induced, you know, three double play balls, and they couldn't get it done in a recent game. So you got to look at where the holes are, and I think Farhan's very good at that. And I always just like to see it play out. Let's just see it play out. There's a lot of season left. There sure is, so they can make that run, as you said. So Saturday, August 13th, a week from this Saturday, it's the 2012 reunion game. You're going to be hosting the VIP Q&A with players pregame. Tell us exactly what's involved with this reunion game next week. Well, I think it's a lot of surprises. So I'm not sure how much I can tell you, except that there still are tickets available for whoever wants to fly over from Hawaii <laughs> to California to. to go to uh-huh. the game, right? But it's just going to be a really special day. Uh, the, the list of attendees is long, and um, fans are going to be very excited as to who's going to be there in attendance. There'll be a pregame ceremony on the field. I, As you mentioned, I think there's a VIP ticket option to buy where you get to go out to Triple Valley, and I'll host a couple of panels with some of the guys that have come back, and we'll reminisce and take fan questions. And it's just going to be a day that, everybody's going to have a really good time because it was a a day that brings back such great memories for everybody. It's hard to believe it was 10 years ago, but you know, time, time keeps marching on. So it's the giants are the best at ceremonies and really bringing back great memories. If you watch the Will Clark retirement ceremony the other weekend, you know, even when the team's not at its best, everybody's able to just kind of put that aside and celebrate the greatness that has happened and occurred within the Giants organization. And that's what Saturday, August 13th will be. It's just going to be a day to celebrate greatness. Sounds like fun. Look forward to that. Amy, thanks again for joining us today. We'll see if the Giants can make that late push and maybe make it into the wild card round. Let's hope. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Amy. Appreciate that. And that was Amy Gutierrez joining us here from the MLB Network, now as an in-game reporter, also covering the Giants and the YouTube channel, the Giants YouTube channel, where she has different interviews with Gabe Kapler and more as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, look forward to that because exactly what they're doing is really good. You didn't bring up Aloha Shirt Day when she brought up Giants being really good at, uh, at celebrations. I, I was about to, actually, but I thought we were out of time. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> you know what? They have a list on, uh, they have a couple of lists, and we love to read the lists on the air. You know this show. <laughs> they have the NFL's best players at every defensive position and the GOATs at every offensive position in the NFL. And I'm sorry to say there's no New York Jets on that list. Okay. There, there's, there's no Steelers either. Of all, now, now. Darrell Revis is like an also-receiving-votes guy when it comes to great corners. But who do you think is the best linebacker in the NFL? Ever? Ever. Lawrence Taylor. He's not. He should be. Well, my opinion. They list him as an edge rusher. 
I found that really oh. interesting. He's not listed as as edge rusher. Uh, is Lawrence Taylor the runner-up Reggie White? Really? I don't have Reggie White number. Well, no, Lawrence can't go Taylor wrong with still. either. Now the best defensive tackle of all time. They have Aaron Donald. Second is Joe Green and Deacon Jones. Also receiving votes, Alan Page, John Randall, Hall of Famer. and Warren Sapp. They each got one vote. Defensive tackles? Man, there's – what about – was Merlin Olsen a defensive end? Oh, I'm not positive. Best linebacker would be Ray Lewis. Others receiving votes, Dick Butkus, Mike Singletary, and then Jack Lambert. Also receiving votes, Ted Hendricks, Chut. Chuck Bednarik. I, I know you've probably seen him a lot in person. Oh, yeah, I got a selfie. Del Derek Brooks. Bill George, who I've never heard of. Ray Nitschke. And only one vote for Junior Seau. It's a fun article, a fun read if you get a chance. Uh, if you're going to slack off at work today, go ahead and take a look at that at ESPN.com. Other, other thing, talking about fun things in the NFL. The, I saw this, I think it was at Yahoo yesterday. And I make sure I, I, I bookmarked it because I've always kind of wondered this. NFL mascots. How much money do NFL mascots make? I wonder if my friend Barney is listening. Is he a mascot? And he, was, he was a mascot. Oh, he was. At Hawaii Winter Baseball. Oh. And we had a visit one time while I was working for, uh, we worked for the Sharks. Well, Barney worked for the league. I guess everyone worked for the league. This was 1997. I think, Tanner, you weren't born yet. <laughs> That's depressing. It's, it's, yeah, so 1997, when Tanner's dad, Mark, and his mom, you know, had a, anyway. <laughs> had a what? <laughs> they had a twinkle in their eye. <laughs> a twinkle in their eye. <laughs> there was a blackout. There was a statewide, it was island-wide blackout that night, and 22 years later. We got Tanhay. <laughs> Tanner's being very silent. It's he's on the phone. His eye. He's on the phone with HR right now. <laughs> Tan, you're getting a call. <laughs> anyway, um, I forgot where I was going. Are you there, Tanner? <laughs> Nothing. I was just talking <laughs> about you. He's hoping you didn't hear any of that. <laughs> didn't hear any of what? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, I forgot what I was talking about now. I think you were leading into something. We were talking about I the was best leading into the NFL. Oh, okay. So my and friend Barney. My friend Barney. We one day we had a visit uh, from the what's the Philadelphia Phillies mascot? What's his the name? The fanatic. The Philly fanatic. For the so, the, for the, the actual guy. For the Phillies. For the Phillies, you mean? Right. Yeah. Fanatic. He actually the fanatic. the guy. He came down in the, in the costume, and he performed. For the Hawaii Winter Baseball crowd. And the guy was awesome. And my friend Barney, who is the uh, and uh, who is the Sharks mascot, I mean they were in, he was in awe. It's like this is this is what I want to do. This is this looking at the the, the, the ultimate it's like Tom Brady coming to your quarterback camp, right? Yeah, I mean yes. the Philly Fanatic is the GOAT. Yeah, he was one of the first. And so um, I've, w- I've wondered, like, well, how much money do you make if you want to be a mascot? Did you know NFL mascots, the average salary in 2022, $60,000 a year? 
Now, I get it. You're not going to be able to live off of that in Hawaii. But that's a pretty good job if you're if you're living in, uh, I don't know, Houston. Seven games? What? Well, it'll be eight games. Eight games, at least eight games. I guess it'd be some years it would be nine. If you're only doing the home games, you're not going on the road as a mascot. Why doesn't the mascot go on the road? Sure it is. You're paying him sixty grand. I go on the road. I don't think I've ever seen a mascot at a road game in, in the I've, NFL. I've never been to an NFL game. I've only been to the Pro Bowl. I can't the, tell you. The cheerleaders don't go on the road. I know that. It's just the home teams. I think it's all the home teams, uh, mascot really? and cheerleaders. Yeah, they don't have to go on the road. Wow, I didn't know that. Probably be that too doesn't brutal. make sense. Well, it does make sense. Haven't actually. I seen mascots kind of going at it in a fun way? Pro Bowl. Is that it? I would think. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've been, I've been to a, not a ton of NFL games, 10, 15, or whatever it's been, maybe a little more. But I, and I don't, I don't always look, but I've never seen a mascot or a team of cheerleaders on the road. In, 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 in the college football, didn't Vili like punch another mascot or something? It was here, oh. though. It wasn't on, the, um, yeah, that oh. was, the B, was that the BYU game? That was a cheerleader. I don't think it was a BYU. mascot. I think they got it, he got into it with the cheerleaders. Yes. And that, hey, debating you, on that. hey, you messed with the bull. Come on, you get the horns. <laughs> But I think it, it doesn't make sense if you let's say you take a, a a mascot to Philadelphia as an example. I don't think it would be very safe for the mascot or the cheerleaders because oh, of the fans there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially especially Philadelphia. It doesn't happen in basketball. Yeah, especially there. Even in basketball, the NBA they all have team dancers, whatever they call them. The Laker girls never went on the road. The Nets and yeah. Knicks have dancers. They never went on the road. They're only right. That the makes game. sense. There's probably not enough room for everybody. That could right? be part of it. And it's like, what if you're the dancers wouldn't go on the road because then you're going to steal some of the thunder from the the hometown dancers. Right, right. The hometown dancers only go out there a few times a game, right? Well, more than a few, but maybe every time out, and I mean every, every end of the quarter. Every time out. Oh yeah. Don't they that, have funny kiss cams and things? They'll do a whole bunch of things now. They have the dancers <laughs> doing this, throwing stuff in the crowd. You got five things going on during timeouts. They go out every time out, and at the end of every quarter. And then, then they have a DJ on top of that. Some arenas do, which is great. Hopefully, yeah. More yeah. football more football stadiums are getting DJs, like in Las Vegas. In Vegas, they got a great DJ, like a right, real well-known right. one. But anyway, so I did not re- – I, I realized – I thought that there was only, like, one team that didn't have a mascot, and I thought it was my Pittsburgh Steelers. But the Steelers do have a mascot, according to this uh, Steely McBeam. <laughs> That's the best I could come up with. Well, it, it's the Steelers, right? So it's a guy with it with a big steel beam on the top of his head or something. But I thought they introduced that like five, six, ten years ago, something, and then they got rid of it because the fans didn't like it. Oh, I thought wow. that was the case. But this is an, a current article that says Steely McBeam is the uh, is the name of the the Steelers mascot. By the way, uh, the, the reason his name is, is Steely McBean is is Steely because steals, right? Yeah, right. McBeam because it's a beam, steel beam, and Mick because I guess a lot of people that live in Pittsburgh are Irish. Ooh, so I don't remember. Why. I don't remember yeah. if they were all Irish. I've only been there once. That but. that was the reason. That, that oh, okay. was the reason they came up with it for. But uh, you know, what's fun about mascots in the NFL are their names. Now, the Baltimore Ravens mascot, and a lot of times it's a contest with fans, mm. but the Baltimore Ravens, interestingly enough, named their mascot Poe. Right, you know why? That. Edgar Allan Poe from Baltimore. He's from, from the Baltimore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Buffalo Bills, their mascot's name is Billy Buffalo. Meh. 
Sounds like a, they made that up back in the 60s when they were an AFL team. Oh, he was a good writer like Edgar Allan Poe, I believe. Billy Buffalo? <laughs> yeah. I love his sauce. <laughs> Uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, this doesn't make sense. Their mascot's name is Hooday. Hooday. Right? That's their battle cry. Hooday. Yeah. Hooday, Hooday Bengals. Just like the Saints are, what's theirs? Hoodat. Hoodat. Yeah. Hooday. Anyway, the Cleveland Browns, I guess they've had, they have three names for their mascot or three names over the years. Or they have three mascots. Chomps. Like quarterbacks. Chomps. Swagger Jr. and Brownie the Elf. I, I'm not doing it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Denver Broncos—they're uh, they have two names: Miles, get it? Miles, Mile High Stadium. Yeah. And Thunder too. Eh, not too. Okay. Houston Texans mascot. His name is Toro. Indian oh, now the Indian uh, the Colts mascot his name is Blue you see these eh. now they get good the Jacksonville Jaguars their mascot's name is Jackson Deville isn't that the rat wasn't he a rat yeah, or something I, my, I thought it was Urban Meyer actually was their mascot <laughs> I don't know the uh, Kansas City Chiefs they have the politically incorrect named mascot called War Paint. Wow. There's a lot of these that could use. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna give you a few, be, of mascot named that need help. That need. They need to revamp these. Pat Patriot, really, Pat Patriot. Wow. Las Vegas Raiders, Raider Rusher. I mean, duh, come on. Somebody yeah, said, no. give me a name for the mascot, quick. Uh, Raider Rusher. Okay, All we'll right. use that. Hmm. <laughs> the Detroit Lions, Rory, R-O-A-R, Rory. See, the Dallas Cowboys mascot's name is Rowdy. And I guess it kind of goes with it. It's a big, you know, cartoon-like guy. This is the best, uh, and this is, <laughs> I've got two really good ones. One, Tanner Hayworth loves the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can you guess what your mascot's name is, Tanhey? I know what he looks like. And His I know name, he's a scary-looking individual. And that's and hence the name, Captain Fear. <laughs> I was going to say because, Bucky. No, because he's on a – they got the, the ship and they – Right, the pirate stuff. They, they shoot the cannons and Captain Fear. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they need a little help. Uh, the Sourdough Sam. I don't know if that really cuts it nowadays. Sourdough Sam, thank you very much. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have a very famous one, Swoop or Air Swoop. The um, the best name out of all of these, out of all of these teams, belongs to the Carolina Panthers with Sir Purr. <laughs> I love wow, it. Wow, creative, I guess. Right? You're a Panther. Sir Purr. That's the name of the Panthers. They can't play football, but, boy, they can name yeah. their mascots. Anyway, that was some mascot fun that uh, those last five minutes you'll never get back. By the way, the uh, mascot of the year is the Indianapolis Colts Blue. 
Uh, he has 158,000 followers on Instagram. But he, he hacked an account, and there was some tampering, I understand, by Miami. They wanted to hire him away and <laughs> talk to him while he was under contract. And Stephen Ross is going to get a little suspension for that as well. I know it sounds like we've already wrapped up the show, but we'll do that coming up next on ESPN <laughs> Honolulu. Okay, last thing on the mascot. Last thing on the mascot. The Minnesota Vikings had the best mascot before they went to uh, their, their their guy now. The, the, they have like a cartoon character guy. But you'll see them on the old days or maybe a lot on the NFL films or things like that. The Minnesota Vikings are the best, had the best mascot. His name was um, Ragnar the Viking. He would be a guy that let out the team. On a purple motorcycle, and a uh, and it, I don't know why it was purple. He played for Green Bay, but he was a oh, because purple. The, I'm sorry, purple meaning Vikings purple, right? Sure. Yeah. And uh, by the way, this guy was great friends with Brett Favre. But anyway, Ragnar the Viking would uh, lead them out, and you remember him. I mean, it was a, it yeah. was a real guy. It was like that's why Veely was so popular. It was a real guy. It wasn't a cartoon character. So this guy was, you know, he's big, he's wearing fur, he's got a beard, he looked mean, had horns coming out of his, you know, helmet. And uh, he asked for a raise. He wanted like $20,000, so the Vikings fired him. <laughs> Poor guy. And then they came out with, you know, whatever they've got nowadays. Jim is calling in. Thank you. Jim, no, he didn't hold out. Hi, Jim. He didn't hold in. Hi, Jim. Hey, Chris. Hey, Gary. How's it going? Hey, Jim. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. I, What's I going on? Call, I, I had to call in because you have to talk about Vince Scully because yes. I, I I grew up with him because, you know, my, the first 25 years of my life, I was in Los Angeles, so I got to listen to him every game, you know. Oh, wow. Just, he was terrific, terrific. You know, nobody nobody can touch him. <laughs> he, he, he's the, like you say, he's the GOAT. <laughs> They say but, he was uh, one of the first guys to actually not say anything after a game-winning hit or a championship. He started making sure everybody around didn't say anything for 30 seconds a minute and just let the crowd kind of take over on the broadcast. Are you sure that yeah. was Vince Scully or Pat yeah. Summerall? I was reading about Vince Scully doing that oh, early okay. on in baseball and how many play, uh, announcers yesterday tweeting how they learned that from him. He was the first that they saw do it. So Right. Pat yeah. Summerall yeah. was famous for doing that, too. Yeah, because of just the silence of hearing the crowd and stuff, you know, says more than what words can say, too. But right. anyway, I, I, was, I was just going to bring up that uh, if you want to hear terrific broadcasting, um, way back in 1965 when Sandy Koufax had his perfect game, the Dodgers actually made a, um, a 45, you know, um, record RPM record of the ninth inning call that he had <laughs> on uh, Sandy Koufax's perfect game. So that was what uh, I was thirty-three. Eleven years old. <laughs> no, <laughs> eleven years old. <laughs> you still funny. have it? I'm, I'm older now. I got I got subtract the zeros at my house in LA, so I, it's hmm. probably dust. It would have been dust anyway by now, but wow. um, but. 
they have they have it on if you go on you know on the internet and stuff just bring up about San Diego Fest perfect game and they have they have the tape of Vince Scully and even on um, I think Bob Costas had a show before too that he actually played the thing but that and then the other one you know the, the famous one too is Kurt Gibson's home run in the World Series right you know that on that radio. That By the way, you can cool. you can hear all of Vin Scully's greatest calls at MLB.com if you've got uh, time to check that out. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but, back back in those days, that that's that's how I got my love of listening to sports on the radio. I, I'd rather mm-hmm. listen on the radio than actually watch it on TV. I would rather listen. Why... I, I always said that with Don Robs. Yeah, I would rather yeah. listen to Don Robs. That we we have two goats in Hawaii. One is Don Robbs, and the other is Jim Leahy, for, for me. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of people in my generation. But I would rather, if I had a chance between watching a UH baseball game or listening to a UH baseball game, I would always prefer to listen to a UH baseball game. Yeah. By the way, yep. I saw yep. Don the other day. Don Don is looking great. I saw Don and Scott. They were doing some grocery shopping down at the Safeway. Yeah. And uh, yeah. shout out to Don Robbs. He reminds yeah, me of Vince Scully. When I first heard Don Robbs, he reminded me of Vince Scully, who I only heard a number of times, not a ton before that. But when I first heard Don, I felt like I was listening to Vince Scully. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and Bobby, too. Like, I, I used to love listening to Bobby on you know radio instead of watching the game on TV. Mm-hmm. Because you That's can a, use I, imagination I, I, and stuff, too, you know. Just yeah, I hope Bobby's still listening. Did you, did you hear yeah, Bobby on the yeah. radio today? No, I didn't get. I'm calling from work right now, so I just snuck in a real fast call in between my calls. But you slacker! I, I get back to, to say, work, Jim. Get back to. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I make up the time, so don't worry. <laughs> but we were anyway, I hope back your back. children aren't listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway hey. back in the '60s in LA, had mm-hmm. Vince Scully for the Dodgers. Dick Enberg was doing the Angels and the Rams. And then Chick Kern was doing basketball. A lot so, of legends. That's, yep, that's, yep, that's, yep. Re- that's really cool. Yeah, so I oh, Jim, to share with you guys. But uh, take it easy. Have a good week, hey, guys. Hey, Thanks, great Jim. to hear your voice. Stay in touch. Stay healthy. And, uh, you know, try to uh, stop ripping off your employer. Come on, Jim. <laughs> oh, we lost him. Yes, I guess so. He hung up on us. That's uh, one of our favorite guys, Jim. Thank you very much. Yeah. Former winner of the Ultimate Sports Trivia Challenge. Yes, uh, he was one of the best. He definitely was. Do you remember the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze? I think it was made in the 80s. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen it probably four or five times. Not a great movie, but a good movie. Anyway, they're making a remake, and I read about this part of it last night, that Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be playing Patrick Swayze's character. He passed away a number of years ago. Now I see Conor McGregor's in that movie as well. It's going to be an Amazon Prime video. And they're still making well, it's it. It's not a video. It's an Amazon well, Prime movie. Well, it's, it's, it says Amazon Prime Video is the movie studio. I guess it's the movie studio. Right. And uh, they just reported this uh, earlier today. I'm looking forward to that. He still has the broken leg, or he's recovering from the broken leg from the last time he fought. Uh, and I know he's not the star Jake Gyllenhaal is, but I'm looking forward to see how he acts and if he gets beat up or not or if he's the beater-upper. Is Jake Gyllenhaal a small person? Uh, he, he played a boxer, and I forget the name of the movie years ago. He got really in Like shape Tom that. Cruise, what I'm getting at, Tom Cruise mm. is very small. Sylvester Stallone is very small. He's so not 6'4". When, when you have somebody like Mr. T, 
looking who's about six feet tall or six one maybe looking down at Sylvester Stallone is because Stallone is tiny. Good Conor point. McGregor's not a big man. He's he's tiny. What is he? Five six? Oh, five, I thought he was that short. Wow. Well, he, he weighs one hundred fifty pounds. It'd be interesting to see how they uh, how he comes across on the big screen. They list um, McGregor is listed at five nine here under on oh ESPN. wow five nine one fifty nine oh one fifty six excuse me so he he's so he's five eight then maybe yeah yeah I'm, right, I'm, right. what I'm getting at yeah. is he's not Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali was a he was big Muhammad Ali was six four right right yeah but I like the movie originally and I'll see how this we'll see how this comes out whenever we find out uh, we'll let you know it's not going to be for a while but interesting to see Conor McGregor on the big screen Jake Gyllenhaal's a great actor too all right yeah nothing compares right now I'm 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 getting my uh, episodes in of better call, call Saul better call Saul that's a show and it's a great one I saw one of the new movies on Netflix the gray man only watched half of it not that great not that great a little over oh I love that movie that's a you great did. movie that's all the time we have Anyway, check it out, Gray Man. There's a bunch of good movies out right now online. Anyway, got to go. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 12 noon. Josh at 3 on ESPN Honolulu.